You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. Now, there's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. You're a never June. 21st for a new show of the sports loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including our show, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. It's all over the social media markets. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have our own stream. We have thousands of people that tune in. So shout out to all the fans throughout the country that listens to us throughout the week. Before we get into the whole speedy Petey break of a weekend... Uh, you can call our show at 631-672-3108. Speedy, what's up, man? I had it. it was a fun weekend. We got to do some uh, play-by-play broadcasting after a long trek to New York City. Uh, Shout-out to everyone that was involved in the Liberty Challenge at Columbia University. Some great football from those kids as well. Very impressive and fun to broadcast indeed. And happy Father's Day out there. I hope everyone enjoyed their Father's Day weekend, all the dads out there. Uh, my family certainly enjoyed it. We had a barbecue at my cousin's house. It was a lot of fun. And all the people that obviously lost their fathers, yes. including yours truly, um, happy Father's Day to all the people that lost their fathers as well. It's it's terrible. I know what it's like to lose a father, and it puts you in a situation whenever this holiday comes around where you wish your father was here. So uh, it's it's a shame, but uh, obviously he's in a better place. So I want to give a shout-out to all the fans out there that lost a family member. We have a great show lined up for you at 7.30. We'll be talking to Auburn, junior cornerback, Keontae Scott. He will be joining us. Uh, I'm interested to see what he thinks Auburn's going to do this year. And also last year, what they did throughout the season. They played decent football. Uh, Obviously, Auburn football has not won a a championship since, really, Mr. Cam Newton. So I would love to hear... Uh, what Keontae is doing, and what this team's going to be like this coming season. At 8 o'clock, we'll be talking to North Carolina junior running back Elijah Green. And if you don't know who he is, his father played for the Jets, Victor Green. So looking forward to get Elijah on. I watched a couple of games this past year with North Carolina. He was the leading running back for the North Carolina uh, Tar Heels. So I'm interested to see what he's going to do this year as, a, I think, a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. He's a junior this year. He had eight touchdowns last year in his sophomore year, though, and 500-something rushing yards. Very impressive year. For a guy that wasn't the full-time back but was basically a 1A, 1B type thing. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to hearing what he has uh, in store this year as a running back for the Tar Heels, who will probably be an NFL prospect at the end yes. of next season. So it's going to be fun. So tune in. John Morant suspended for 25 games. Where does that go in the NBA's list of, really, suspensions? I I, I would say it's probably the third or fourth worst 
an NBA suspension. I don't know how it's the third or fourth. Yeah. It should be the worst, but right. that's the NBA for you. Bradley Beal traded to the Suns. I was shocked yeah. that this trade happened. It made no sense. As Mr. Hart from the New York Knicks, well, might not be a New York Knick at the end of the season, well, in the free agency market. But nevertheless, Hart said something very interesting all over social media, very interesting on how Hart believes that this doesn't make sense, how, how really the Suns didn't have to give up a first-round draft pick for Bradley Beal. It, it, it's, it's really ridiculous, but I, I have no idea. Uh, maybe Kevin Durant had something to do with it. Who knows? The Celtics are not likely to trade Jalen Brown, as the stories came out over the weekend that they're looking to move forward with Jalen Brown. And obviously, uh, this team, which has two superstars and upcoming players that had a very good seasons in white this year. They have players that could maybe bring a championship home to Boston. A lot of interesting things that Boston can do in the offseason, but it won't be moving Jalen Brown. Uh, Jason Tatum obviously was very excited about that too, all over social media. Uh, Draymond Green and Kyle Kuzma opted out and will enter free agency. This is a good move. Because Kyle Kuzma is one of the best players available this offseason. Teams like the Knicks. Teams that need rebounding and needs offense. Maybe as a starter or even off the bench. He can give you that kind of offense. And uh, Milwaukee is another team that's looking for an offensive talent. Uh, as we believe Chris Middleton uh, could be gone in the offseason. Because uh, I believe they will trade him. But a lot of interesting things that could happen this offseason. Uh, as Kyle Kuzma, and we all know, Dream, nobody cares about Draymond Green. I mean, seriously, he's an old, he's an old player, and for his position and what he like, the style he likes to play. So I'm not really excited or care about that story. But I'm sorry, uh, Stefan Diggs reportedly is frustrated with his whole Bills offense. So. I, I will believe this story because, obviously, he didn't show up for the first day of camp. He did show up the second day. He did sit down with the coaching staff. I believe he is upset. He had nine catches in the first game of the playoffs against Miami and then, obviously, fell off. I A lot of people believe uh, he was Josh Allen was not looking down the field at him against the Bengals. So uh, that's an interesting story. Uh, let's parlay. Derek and Jonathan will be on the show today. So we'll have the return. Of the mountain. So he will be joining Jonathan on Let's Parlay. Brian Cashman says he still has a belief in the Yankees lineup despite the struggling uh, with the offense without Aaron Judge. Tyreek Hill is under investigation for assault and battery of a Marina employee. Uh, Over there in Miami, he was hanging out. Obviously fondled or touched somebody uh, that works for the Marina over there. So it's an interesting story. Bracket Wars matchup tonight is the number 10 seed, Serena Williams, versus the number 2 seed, Michael Phelps. And the number 12 seed, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, versus the fourth-seeded Babe Ruth. So that'll be an interesting co- uh, combination uh, at the end of the show. So let, let's get into it. Because John Morant has been the story throughout the NBA for the last couple of months. I know everybody keeps talking about Denver and what he and what uh, obviously the Joker did, what this team did throughout the playoffs, only losing four games and winning 16 and winning a championship for the first time in their team's history. But the, the story throughout the playoffs and really throughout the last two weeks of the season 
was John Morant and how many games he's going to be suspended. And what is the NBA going to do when they investigate this story at the end of the season when he was, uh, well, it was posted that he was hanging out on Instagram in a car with his friends playing with a gun. And some people say it's a toy. Some people say it was real. He says it was fake. But nevertheless, this is the first time John Moran has been caught with a gun. You look at the position the NBA had to be in in the offseason. And and there's a lot to get into with the NBA because football, there's a lot of football today because we have two football studs coming on the show. And we have a lot of basketball stories because Bradley Beal gets traded. Nobody understands that trade. And then obviously the Celtics and the Jalen Brown story. John Morant is the lead story today because I've been speaking about this for the last couple of months. And I believe John Morant should have been really suspended for half the season or for a full season. He has not learned his lesson. This isn't the first time or the second time he's been caught with a gun. Two times in one season being caught with a gun in his hand. On social media. What does that tell you about him? What does that tell you about the Grizzlies? Organization. Do they have control of their players? Do they know how to control their superstar players? And where is Memphis this season or offseason and looking for a replacement for John Morant? 25 games is a quarter of the season. Maybe a little bit more. I look at John Morant. He is everything to Memphis. When John Morant was hurt this year for a couple of weeks... And he was suspended. This team was not winning. This team wasn't the dominant force they were in the first half of the season. They were one of the best, if not the best, team in the NBA. You can argue them and Denver. The two best teams in the NBA throughout this season, when John Moran was in the lineup, was Denver and the Grizzlies. You look at everything that's happened over the last couple of months in the NBA, and the John Moran suspension of 25 games doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And Adam Silver says that Morant will have to participate to another counseling program set up by the league. What does that mean? Is he actually going to go? Is he actually going to show his face? Because we know Kyrie Irving had no thought in his mind after that whole anti-Semitic view and thoughts on Twitter came out. Kyrie didn't want any part of the NBA. He wanted no part of anybody's thoughts. He wanted to speak, and he had the right in his eyes to speak on his platform about what he thinks about that video or whatever it was, documentary, and how he made it look like it was nothing. And the NBA made it look like it was nothing, as well as they make this look like nothing. This player is respected, but not just youngsters. By all of the NBA, listen to the players wanting to speak to him. Former players that we've had on this show wanting to speak to this man because they believe he's such an amazing talent. And you sit here today and you see what the NBA gives them. This is a joke. It is a joke. An absolute joke. And they, as an organization, the NBA, Adam Silver, should be ashamed of himself. I don't understand this. Everybody thinks 25, 30 games is okay. Everybody thinks that nine games that Kyrie Irving got it suspended for the anti-Semitic views is okay. But Ron Artest, who went out there to protect himself because somebody threw something at him, was suspended by David Stern for 80-something games. He didn't kill anybody. He didn't have a loaded weapon. All he did was protect him and his teammates. 
And he wasn't involved in five different incidents, too. John Morant was involved in five of them. Whether the other gun was fake or not, then fine. If you want to say that's a half one, four and a half incidents, too. There's a pickup basketball game, a shoe store employee, and everything else after that with the Denver nightclub, and just so many things to add up where I agree with you. I think a 50-game suspension, a 60-game suspension like that would have warned him. Maybe give him the full season if they if he doesn't go through the through, through with this program, but that's going to be the test for him. The, program, the program's not going to help. That, but still, that's going to be some kind of litmus test to say, all right, is he going to actually mature and participate in this thing and actually do it to the best of his ability like he should? I think when you look at the NBA as a whole in the organization – as really an organization that's very well respected around internationally. Uh, thank you to Michael Jordan. Thank you to all the foreign players. Um, obviously, Vladi Divac over there. It, 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 to me, you look at the NBA, what the NBA players do on social media spreads like a wildfire. These players are really watched throughout the world. LeBron James has, what, 70 million people that follow him on Twitter? Tiger Woods, how many people follows him on Twitter? He's never on Twitter. He admits he's not the guy running his Twitter. It's a joke. And Adam Silver sits here and says, you know, it's just, it's just, just something little. Just something little. It's ridiculous. John Morant will lose about $7.5 million of his contract next season, which was about $33.5 million. Morant also lost $39 million in future earnings with potential to earn an all-NBA honor this season, which could have made him hundreds of millions of dollars. The NBA Players Association was disappointed in the league's decision to suspend Morant that long, calling it excessive and inappropriate. Are you kidding me? Who runs the NBA Players Union? I think it's Chris Paul, actually. I rest my case. Look what look what the Suns just did to him. Would you be happy if you were Chris Paul right now? I wouldn't. I'm laughing at it. I've been all weekend I was like, holy crap. The Suns just ripped off the the Washington Wizards. <laughs> Michael Jordan sells his ownership this past week. Mm-hmm. Three Point five billion dollars to Michael Jordan. Round of applause for Michael Jordan. How much did he buy the Charlotte Hornets? 900, 800 million? He just made th- almost three billion dollars off that deal. It's unbelievable. Michael Jordan's the best businessman in sports history. First guy to get a shoe deal where he gets compensation off of every shoe with his name on it. Who, who beats that? He got Charles Barkley to do it. He got everybody to do it in the NBA after that. And then Michael Jordan, after he retires, gets involved with different golf courses and all that other stuff. And now he's a multi-billionaire, probably one of the richest athletes to ever live. And what does that tell you about smart athletes that know how to promote their brand? Don't go out there and attacking social views. Domestic and social views, you become somebody like Michael Jordan, who's a billionaire and doesn't have to speak for the public. He never did. As a matter of fact, people hated him because of it. I think even when we had Chris Childs on, he was saying, like, the uh, the nerds, the gurus are the ones uh, running their business now and getting all the money. Not not somebody like John Morant, who uh, wants to be like he's in the hood. Just give me a break about John Morant. I cannot believe the NBA not only giving him 25 games. I don't care what the NBA's players' union thinks. I could care less. How does the children that buy his jerseys? How about this? All the gangsters out there that like to carry around guns, that want to throw themselves out there 
to carry guns. It's legal, so carry a gun. They think that's normal? That's what they're selling to the children? That's what they're selling to the league right now? Come on. I'm not just speaking the truth here. I love John Morant. I'm a huge fan. As a matter of fact, I think John Morant's a top three player right now in the NBA. But if they don't drop the hammer on this kid, the next kid that comes out of the draft and he does it, it's going to be less excessive. David Stern was dropping hammers on the Knicks. Do you remember that with the Miami Heat? I mean, Patrick Ewing was suspended for what, five, six, seven games? For just fighting on a court. This guy pulls out a gun. In public places, and think, hey, you know, it's okay. Carry a gun. Shoot a gun. Protect yourself. Who do we have on the phone? Snug has arrived. Snug, what's up, man? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> First up? of all, shout out to Kenny. You need to call in more, Kenny. <laughs> Second of all, shout out to Speedy Petey. You're a man, bro. Thank you. But <sighs> now you're, 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 you're comparing apples and oranges again, Earl. You cannot compare what happened in the palace or even what happened with Patrick Ewing to what happened with Ja Morant. Why is that? You are, it is illegal to punch someone. That mm. is assault. The mm. best you'll ever come up with is mutual combat. And that's why mm. they don't press charges oftentimes mm. on those sort of things when they happen on the, on the floor, of, especially in uh, basketball and hockey, things like that. Mm-hmm. But when you, Ja Morant is only guilty of poor judgment. Mm. Nothing actually happened. Mm. Now, do you really think that the NBA gives two shits about John Morant waving a gun around since no one got shot? Absolutely, they do not. They care about the optics of it. They have to crack down. And you're acting as though they did nothing? They took 25% of his salary. $27.5 million is a tremendous amount of money for having poor judgment and not committing a crime. If you're, if you're a place of business took 25% of your salary for some of the takes that you've had on the radio for poor taste and bad judgment, you would be terribly upset, wouldn't you? No, I wouldn't. And as a matter of fact, I get attacked all over social media. So I don't care what my takes and what I throw out there. And as a matter of fact, when you look at the big picture and you look at a gun, a loaded gun, which all of a sudden it comes out and says it's a toy, it's not a toy. Nobody believes it was a toy. And for him to say that just makes him look like a bigger fool. And by the way, by the way, I am positive it was a real gun. 100% 100% positive. And by the way, by the way, just to inform you with some information, two years ago, he pulled out a loaded gun after getting beaten on a, what is it, basketball court? Some kid outplayed him on a basketball court, and he pulled out a gun and pointed at him. And he didn't get suspended for it, and all of a sudden it came out in the beginning of the season, and everybody threw it under the bus. So you're sitting here right now, and you're going to sell me? Hey, you know what? Because Ron Artest was protecting himself because somebody swung at him and stepped to him and threw a cup at him when he was laying there not bothering anybody? And David so Stern dropped a hammer because Adam Silver Adam Silver row? is a biatch. That's what he is. That's amazing. I That's what Ron he is. Was, was, was shooting you know, three-pointers from the third row. Ron Artest chose to go into the audience. Now, I'm not saying he didn't have a reasonable reason to go because, yeah, somebody threw stuff at him, whatever, I get it. He's protecting himself. He's protecting other people. But you can't go into the stands, right? That's actively leaving your place of business, which is the court, and pursuing another person with the intent to harm. Who assaulted him? Who assaulted him? And normally when, when they assault 
someone like that, they mm -hmm. get thrown out of the arena. Oh, oh my God. Holy crap. Did you see that? And by the way, he did get in trouble, but it got thrown out. You know why? Because everybody and Ron Artest said, you know what? I'll take the I'll take this situation for what it was. And he actually apologized for swinging at the guy and went, going after that guy. But you want to know something? The only reason why Ron Artest apologized, because he wants to create and fix his image where everybody thought he was nuts. Okay? Which he wasn't. He no, he wasn't. And you want to know something? He had no reason to apologize for what he did. He protected himself. That's the truth. Per he pursued someone. Though. And then he look what the people did to him. Them. They were throwing if, things if at him, throwing drinks you in at him. Face and you follow them and shoot them with the gun, you go to jail. Uh, no question. Protecting yourself. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. No, it's not. Someone did something to him and ran away, and then he followed them. Uh, he followed them. That did he kill him? Did he kill somebody? Does he? Did he have? Does it? Is his did hands? He punch someone, it, is, is his? Is his hands? Is his hands? I know Weapons that like guns. That punching people is a crime because they do it all the time in the streets and things of that nature. But most of the country does not allow for people to punch each other. Just not allowed. Mm. Unless it's a, you know, a boxing or MMA or something where it's agreed upon. That punching oh, yeah. is part of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and, and say you have your own opinions and I'm going to attack your opinions. Bad judgment. Bad judgment. And what is John Morant? Yes. What is John Morant carrying around a loaded gun, waving it up Morant in the air? How many crime. kids? How many kids follow John Morant on social media? Who cares? What how many kids? kids doing? What are you talking about? That's what sells to the NBA. You, what are you dumb? How many That's people? Come on, them. Snug. Are you snug. Dumb? No, I'm not they dumb. How many people follow John Morant, Speedy? How many people follow John Morant? How many people follow him on social media? I, I don't either. And I love the guy. But I think he's one of the best basketball players in the NBA. Talented, yes, he is. And immature and misguided. Yeah, in three young, or four years, right. mm, four he years. grows up a little bit. They straighten him out. He realizes he's not a gangster. 2.7 million followers. On Twitter, right? Yep. 2.7. relatively low for someone of his stature. Really? I, mean, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I'll tell you why. How long has he been in the NBA? Two, three years, something Two, like that. Two, three years. How old is John Morant right now? 21 years old? I'm say probably 22, maybe. He's 20, 21, 22 years old. Now, what is it going to take? Okay, what is it going to take for John Morant to actually listen after the third time being caught with a gun and threatening somebody with it? Okay, I so that's going to take five, six times? That's, that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough. No, I How think he can. I, I, I'm, I'm saying he should be a. You've heard it. I, my monologue An said it. Season? 50 games at least. 50 games oh. at least. At least. You're going to take half his salary. 100%. If he wants to learn a lesson, this is the way you give him the lesson. Never to How touch a gun again. which incremental dollar teaches a lesson? Uh, 50 like, games? I, I, I mean, 50 games is I mean, significant. I that they're doing more than just the salary, but... They gave Ron I mean, Artest 80 games. 80 yes, games! Because he committed a crime in front of 30,000 people. How about Kyrie Irving? How many games did he get for anti-Semitic views? How many games Kyrie did he Irving. get? I don't know. How many did he get? Nine games. Something like that? Nine games. Thank you, Kyrie. Okay. And then going, and then he gets traded from Brooklyn, and he takes back all his apologies. And the NBA allowed him to do that. Why did they do anything to him then? You know Again, why? You what know he's why? he's doing is 
You know why? Poor taste. No, no, no. It's not a crime. They're letting the NBA players run their league. These owners, ever since, ever since the who was the Clippers owner? It was Donald, Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling. Ever since those racist, racist remarks, and he obviously lost his team. Bad take. Bad who he is as a person. He's a he's just a terrible person. But ever since that. The players slowly but surely has taken over the NBA league. Ever since the Donald Sterling thing. Go back and look. As soon as that happened, Doc Rivers speaking out and every single player, Clippers, and even players that are not even a part of the Clippers organization, was opening their mouths. As soon as that happened, the owners lost the league. They lost the league. Because they know LeBron James and everybody else, as they speak on social media, run the league. So that's it. And that's the way I look at this situation. I am completely disgusted for the NBA. And Adam Silver, please go become the CEO of Disney already. Please. I, I, I am yeah, I'm done. I am that's even worse. I, I, I'm, I'm trying that's to a bigger, I'm trying That's a much bigger headache. I'm trying to I'm trying to pitch them, man. I'm trying to pitch They're Adam Silver. To relocate them to South Carolina. I know, I saw issue. that. It's pretty funny actually. As long as, as, long as Trevor, as long as Trevor Price's movie gets to stay in circulation, uh, I think it's funny. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. That, when I said Disney, he said they're trying to relocate him to the Carolinas. That's pretty funny. It's true because I did read something about that. And hey, listen, right now Disney is falling apart. I mean, they don't have enough money to do it anyway. No, and they they bought ESPN, and everybody thought that that was a good combination, and it hasn't been. It really hasn't been. So it, a lot of interesting things that things that are going to happen moving forward, just in not even just radio in sports and sports entertainment. I mean, as you saw, the WWE sold to the UFC, and now the UFC owns the majority shares of the WWE. Did you know that, Speedy? I did not. Yeah. So wrestling is now owned by the company that bought the UFC. Ben says uh, C.J. McCollum runs the NBA Players Association. Oh, that's even better. And our test and the guy I like are CJ buddies McCollum. now and hang out, stay in touch. Okay, that doesn't make a difference on the suspension, though. <laughs> hey, listen, everybody's got their own opinion. Snug has his own opinion. I, I disagree completely. Uh, I just think when, when, you, when you see this story, and, and listen, I think John Moran is a sensational player. I, I think he... He could have an opportunity to really prove himself again in the NBA. It's going to take a lot of time, in my eyes, to kind of take away what he has done. Okay? And, and he doesn't have any respect for the league. And you know why? Because he was caught not once, not twice, but three times. Three, stri- three strikes are out. Isn't that baseball? See, I can fix John Moran. Oh, I can't wait. Like, Here, let's, hear oh. let's hear this. <laughs> you yeah, can fix John Moran. I want to hear this. <laughs> Is some of Snug's special cupcakes. Oh, you aren't going to shoot anyone after you eat a couple of special cupcakes. You're going to really? lay back and have, you'll relax. You, I mean, you probably eat more snack food than you should. So you have to run a few laps the next day. <sighs> yeah. Well, yeah, mm. it mellows you out. It'll relax and center. you. I could only imagine what they do to you after you eat them. So, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, uh, it's a little slice of heaven. Ask Kenny. He'd know. <laughs> I'm sure he yes. does. I'm sure, I'm sure Kenny is the ideal role model for John Moran to be able to the goose quote, unquote, cure himself of whatever he's going through right now. I'm sure everyone's going to aspire to become Kenny. <laughs> that Kenny and I need to, to combine powers no and God, start please. marketing 
Oh, that would be Kenny's funny. special cupcakes. Oh, please. So what are you going to have? Goose flavored cupcakes? No, you have to. What you do is you get you get the cupcakes and you get his beard hanging off the cupcake, and you know. You eat a few cupcakes. You might chase a goose, maybe. <laughs> No. If you can figure out where they're located. But I'll be sleeping. If not, you'll still be on your couch and it'll be safe. Yeah. I, hope so. I mean, you know, if you get too mad, you might go outside and wave a goose at children and threaten them with the goose. No, but... I won't do that. <laughs> I'm not Kenny. I'm not going to do no, that. Kenny, Kenny only chases but... the geese. They, they'll think it's threatening. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know. I assume that much like Ron Artest and the dude he punched in the face, Kenny and the Goose have patched it up, and they're probably hanging out and doing their thing. Well, he choked somebody and punched somebody in the face, so, yeah. Okay, well, I don't think Kenny ever choked the Goose, so he didn't, you know. Not that we know of, but uh, next time he calls, we'll find out for sure. He could be a Goose choker. Uh, that I do believe. So. I mean, if Kenny's going to, going to chase him for a purpose, I'm sure once he gets a hold of him, uh, that might be the purpose. Yeah, well. Well, uh, you know, if we really wanted a definitive opinion on any and all of this, we would either call Anchorage Man or Jock. So, I have tried reaching out to Anchorage Man. He doesn't, he's not responding to our messages. We'll get have, Can you I have tried. phone number out and we'll all start calling him? <laughs> no, he'll kill us. Because we all want to talk to him. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I have tried. Maybe. I have made my effort to bring on Anchorage Man. We've had a lot of basketball guests on recently. He was one of them. You know why I he doesn't tried. want to come on the show? Because he was one of the ones that said Jalen Brunson was going to fail as a Nick. I remember him saying that. Strictly believed that there was no way in hell Jalen Brunson was worth any of the money that the Knicks offered him. And now he's the biggest steal of the offseason. <laughs> I mean, is that why I you liked him so much, the... Snug? Is that, is that the reason? <laughs> no, I like his takes on the Red Sox. I mean, I personally, over the weekend, I thought it was phenomenal. Mm. Really good weekend of baseball. No, obviously, and, you uh, were. I you thought were Anchorage Man might have some thoughts on that as well. Yeah, well, yeah, the Red Sox, the Red Sox are last in the division, over five hundred. Mm-hmm. Hey, we expect. You that. know what? Red it's Sox a great are division. Quiet, trying to quietly sit in the cellar, mm-hmm. not bothering anyone, mm-hmm. and the the Yankees and the the Blue Jays keep beating down the door trying to get in. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Now the Blue Jays have played better recently. They they took I think two from the Orioles and they just took two from Miami. It was a pretty good. Team. We'll get into the Yankees a little bit later because I have my own thoughts. Brian Cashman spoke the other day and obviously he he has no fear of the Yankees lineup not hitting. But I I do have a little bit of fear. But again, uh, I do believe that there could be transition. They have some players that they're going to try to bring up soon. Dominguez, Jason Dominguez, is a guy that is hitting a little bit right now, and I think maybe you bring him up, it'll give him a little bit of a. You know, a burst, and and maybe he could. Do they start mm-hmm. in the Yankees minor league teaching them to cheat, or is that like goodbye, Snug? Thank you, you Snug. Thank you for calling. Thank you very much. <laughs> Snug the cats. Well, is that, is that your stipulation now? Anyone bringing up the Yankees cheating gets hung up on. I, you know what it is? Is I, I I'm not going to sit here, and all I do is hear people attack the New York Yankees on their cheating scam. Okay, because they've been caught how many times? How many times? Yeah, it's three times between Herman and Schmidt this year. Okay. Three times. And everybody says, oh, look at the pad. Oh, look look at his boot. Look, look, there's something hanging off his boot. It's, it's ridiculous. The balls are different when Aaron Judge is up. <laughs> what do they call them? The Goldilocks balls. balls, which uh, in, in their defense break. at that time, Ryan Spader, when we had him on the first time, was foreshadowing that kind of thing happening. But again, it wasn't just the Yankees. That was the opponents getting him. So I don't believe it. I just think it's a story, and that's what obviously people want to sell. And I'm not going to sell it. 
because I don't know for a fact that it's true. When I know for a fact it's true, I don't care what somebody writes because obviously that same guy that wrote that story is the same guy that likes to throw the Yankees under the bus. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to believe what he says because he hates the Yankees, and that's how he sells his product all over the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> ben says uh, he chokes chickens. Well, no, we, we haven't seen we haven't seen Kenny chicken chickens yet. Chicken choker. Well, yeah, that that one rolls off nicely. Kenny, if you ever start to chase chickens, we can nickname you that. We're gonna go to a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will be talking to Auburn Junior cornerback Keontae Scott here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy. PD. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Sports Loudmouths, which we're live right now at 7 p.m. And Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great shows, great content, great guests. Listen to the Sports Loudmouths throughout the week by checking this guide on the Worldwide Sports Radio website. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have our first guest. We're very happy to have him on for the first time on the Sports Loudmouths. We are now talking to Auburn junior cornerback Keontae Scott. Keontae, what's up, man? What's going on? What's going on? Glad to be, you know, get in with you guys. Well, I'm happy. I, I, you look like you're you're practicing. You're getting ready. Oh, we have media day. So. Oh, all right. Ah. <laughs> That's great, man. Because uh, I've been reading a couple of stories about you and uh, actually just read a story before we came on the show. And I don't know if you read the story by newsletter. And it was written by Lance Daw. Said Auburn, Auburn cornerback Keontae Scott named one of the nation's top defensive spring standouts. Now, before we get into that, because I'm sure you're you're excited about this coming season, the Auburn the Auburn team last year they made some strides, and this year could make even bigger strides. How are you and your family doing with COVID nineteen? Obviously, that craziness over the last couple of years has just been really a damper in in football and sports. Oh, we're doing good. I, I feel like, and with our family, and, and you know, with my my immediate family, I feel like it brought us closer. Like it helped us, you know, being in the house together. You know, it it helped us just learn a little bit more about each other, and like go into deep about it, and you know, just help each other. You know, just like survival tactics, and kind of activated those. So just being in that in that situation, kind of you know, just let us all allow us to come closer and come together more. Well. I know a little bit about JUCO football, and uh, you come from JUCO football. Uh, you are a pretty big prospect. You were the number two overall JUCO prospect. Tell us a little bit about your time in JUCO. Um, I definitely, you know, like, like I say, man, that, that, that JUCO experience is one of none. Um, I'm, I'm definitely blessed I, I got put through it um, um, based off of what I did. But it's kind of just like a time to reflect, time to um, self-reflect and see what's going on and you know, how to adapt. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's still college football. There's a lot of great guys, a lot of great teams you play. So just being able to, you know, get that experience and, and get that hunger, it kind of it helps me at, at a level like this in the SEC, just knowing and, you know, being humbled by the, 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 the JUCO process. And so I'm just I'm just thankful for it. Um, it was hard, you know, it wasn't it wasn't easy, it was, you know, hard some days, you know, it just humbles you, like I said. So and then it builds you back up. So just being able to make it out of there and you know, become a JUCO product is, you know, the best feeling ever. 
So with a transfer portal prospect going, going to Auburn last year, uh, transferring there, what was that whole experience like? And what is your experience like going into the SEC? Um, man, you know, I, I got one of, you know, a crazy story. Uh, I got to Auburn in August. Academic trouble happened to finish a class um, in the summer. So I wasn't able to report until the start of fall camp. So I got to Auburn August 3rd and camp started the 4th. So it was kind of like a situation where I was thrown right into the fire. Um, I prepared myself super well for it, you know, just telling myself like, okay, well, you put yourself in this situation. So now you, you got to try your best to be in the best shape, you know, the best mental space to, to, to get going and get put in the fire. So being able to go in and, and um, just adjust to it. So the whole year was kind of like me just trying to adjust to it. That's why this spring, it, you know, it was really important for me. It was, you know, my first spring in, in a power five conference and just getting able to see why, you know, the spring and the summer is important um, after only having a fall last year. It's definitely something I'm thankful for. And, you know, it's the process of the process. We are talking to Auburn junior cornerback Keontae Scott. By the way, I like your new hairdo. I do. Yeah. You cut it down. You look good, man. You're ready to roll. 53 total tackles last year, fourth on the team. 4.0 TFL, one sack and one interception. Tell us a little bit about your year last year. Uh, I definitely think it was like a more of a learning experience for me. Just getting out there, being able to, you know, get some early experience, you know, blessed by the coaches and, and by God, just being able to get on the field early and just get around, be in the stadiums, have to make the checks, um, have to tackle some of the running backs, have to cover some of the receivers. Um, I definitely think I was able to, you know, produce with me, you know, coming in in August and, and getting thrown in and, you know, stuff like that, just being able to adjust. Um, I definitely think it was a good year, but definitely, uh, you know, looking forward to year two with having a year under my belt in the, in the process and then the you know, seeing everything and now it's not, nothing's really like a surprise. I'm more really um, going in the stadiums and, you know, going in the games, kind of knowing what to look for. So I definitely am expecting a big year is going to be a big year for me. So any receivers in the SEC, which is loaded with a lot of talent at that position, that was the toughest to face last year for you? Um, I definitely, you know, I'm a person that respects, you know, all, all of the, of my opponents. Uh, I definitely think, you know, it's the SEC and that was one of the things I, really wanted to come and be a part of the SEC for is it was something I definitely enjoyed. You look at the SEC and the Power Five, there are so many good teams. And we saw so many great players last year and so many great players going into the NFL draft. When you look at yourself, and, and like I said, you it, it took you a while to get to a big top school, but now you're here and you want to make a statement this year. What could you tell the fans right now as the player, the type, the game and type of game that you play – what could you sell to the Auburn fans going into this season on what you're going to do this year in a second year for the Auburn Tigers? Uh, I mean, you know, the perfect answer for that question is just be a, you know, a perfect Auburn man and uh, represent the school in the best way possible. Um, you know, I got goals to be the best defensive back in the country this year in my position as well. And, you know, just, just working every day to do that. So that's just something I hold myself on. But, you know, I never really want to, like, put pins on things. I know last year kind of giving myself a kind of an excuse, but this year I don't have any excuse and I, I don't need any excuse. So it's going to be a great year. I'm excited for my team, excited for my, my, my other defensive backs lined up against uh, with me. It's going to be a great year for all of us. So I'm going to do you a favor, okay? I'm going to give your totals for this year as a Tiger. You ready? For all the fans out there, this guy is going to have – he had 53 total tackles last year. 
This coming year, he will have 93 tackles. He will have – let's let, – hold on. You had one sack. I'm going to say you're going to have three sacks and two interceptions and your punt returning from a 9.6-yard total last year, which is six in the FCC. You're going to go up to almost 12.6, and you will be in the top three in the FCC. How's those numbers? Does that sell to you? That sounds about like my goals. <laughs> Sounds about like my goals. I got it. I got it, man. I, I know you, man. I got you. Taking pictures and, you know, flexing to the photos and all those press people. Trust me, man. You go out on the field and you show what you do every single Saturday. Everybody's going to love you. The way you have gone through so far in your short college career, it is an amazing story. And I, I've, I've read a little bit about you. And really your personality and every answer that you gave so far in this interview, it, it gives us an understanding on how intelligent you are and how soft-spoken you are about who you are and what you're trying to do as an athlete. Yeah, definitely. So, but by the way, we are talking to Auburn junior cornerback Keontae Scott. So, Keontae, one question. When you look at who you are as a player – who was the one that pushed you as a kid? Was it your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, any family members? What, who was the guy that structured you around football and pushed you to go and, and do what you were doing right now as a player in college? I definitely would say my mom, but it, it kind of got to a point where, you know, I just I really fell in love with the game on a different level to where I didn't want to do anything else but play football. Like, it was like, it was, <laughs> it was kind of bad. And, and, uh, and it was like my mom already knew and everyone kind of knew like like it'd be like sometimes it'd be like family dinners or like of course Christmas. And you know, everybody was like, where's Keontae? And Keontae's at a tournament or something, you know, for football or something like that. So it was just one of those situations where, you know, definitely had that moment growing up where it was like, do I want to do this? And that was kind of like the moment where, you know, it clicked in and, and I fell in love with the game. And, and I've been playing ever since. Um, I mean, it was in Little League. I didn't miss a season. I played year round. Um kind of been like that my whole life just you know sticking with the game and it definitely paid off for sure we lost you before you you said who do you compare your game to and I think you said Jalen Ramsey who is a a nice comparison of a player when you want to compare yourself to one of the best cornerbacks in the league still to this day. And now he's on the Miami Dolphins. I, one of the teams I can't stand by the way, I'm a jet fan. Uh, we have uh, uh, ex jet Son coming on the show in just a few moments, Elijah Green, who I, I was a Victor Green fan, by the way, and I loved him as a player. But, you know, hey, that's just me. But what type of person could you compare your your personality to on what you have seen as an athlete on the field? There, there are a lot of interesting athletes. Cam Newton, for one, you come from Auburn. Very uh, loud-spoken, wears a lot of crafty hats, dresses very interesting, uh, very good personality. And Cam, I met him at an, uh, I think it was an auction, it was, and he shows up, wow. and, he's, and he's buying a bunch of stuff from the auction. And I said, holy crap, that's Cam Newton <laughs> sitting there. Nobody even knows it's Cam Newton. He stands up. He's like six foot five, six foot six, and he's built like an ox because he really is. What type of player do you accustomly, you know, try to compare your personality to uh, on the football field? Uh, I definitely would say. Um, never got a question the, like that, right? What'd you say? <laughs> you never got a question like that, have you? 
Yeah, no, I just as far as like personality goes, I think I would definitely maybe not even on the on the field. It wouldn't be a person on the field. I definitely think it would be like kind of like a LeBron James, kind really? of just what he, for like off the field. I feel like that's something I'm looking forward to doing. Um, you know, when I get in position to just being able to, you know, do what he has done in the, in his community and stuff like that. That's mm. that's something I that you know that drives me and, and, and something I want to be in a position to also do. I feel like that what he's doing is 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 the way he's supposed to do it, you know taking care of himself but and his family, but also, you know, being able to take care of other people and, and help kids and stuff like that. That's definitely something I look to get into. But as far as, like, personality on the field, I definitely would still – I guess I would just say Jalen Ramsey, just the way he plays the game, his attitude towards the game. Oh, so you you, know? you, you, you talk like him, huh? You're out there on the field talking crap? I, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't say talk crap, but I definitely <laughs> – my head, I'm at him. Like, you know, it's like – so when that helmet clicks on, it's, it's just like a different person. It's just like I'm, I'm, I'm free. I'm able to like mm. express myself and let mm. all the, you know, all the anger and all the everything out. Let it all. That's great, man. It's good. Listen, I, I don't care if you talk crap. You got to just put it on the field. You can talk whatever you want. So basically, just don't be Eli Apple in your phone. <laughs> Hey, wait a second. Eli is at a, you know, the last couple of years has been pretty good for you. He was decent last year. Oh, decent. Get out of here. Decent. And now he's unsigned for a reason. (laughs) He was unsigned because he wants a lot of money and, and he believes his talents deserve that. He played for the Bengals, man. That team was right there. They were right on the cusp. So stop it, Speedy. Stop attacking Eli Apple. I know he's a mama's boy. He has always been a mama's boy, and his mother likes to, you know, sell him in every kind of way. And now his mom had to delete his Twitter. <laughs> or her, twi- her Twitter. So, Keontae, sorry for the uh, deviation of this. I, I'm a Giants fan, so I'm still salty about Eli Apple. So I wanted to ask about the uh, Auburn-Alabama-Iron Bowl rivalry, like that whole experience uh, this year, being a part of Auburn, both on and off the field. What was that like for you? Uh, I definitely like going into it. Um, that was the game I actually was at in 2022 on my visit uh, in 2021, actually on my visit, uh, and just being in that in the environment and, you know, it was at Auburn at the time and just being at it and feeling like, you know, the rivalry in, in the air and being able to see the game come close down to like four overtimes. And just, I was like, man, it was like, this is something that I have to be a part of. And then being able to, you know, take part in it last year. It was definitely something that, you know, I necessarily didn't have the hate yet because it was so brand new to me. But, you know, walking into the stadium during warmups, just just being around in in in, in the environment, it was like, yeah, I'll, I'm kind of I'm into it now. So and then, you know, I got caught up in a play last year. They said I touched the punt. I didn't touch the punt. And then they, you know, they, they said I touched it. So, you know, it was, and it was game turning play. Just, you know, weird situation. So we definitely don't like them guys, man, down the road. And. We're looking forward to getting, getting after them this year. As everybody knows, we are talking to Auburn junior cornerback Keontae Scott. Last question for us, because I know you're busy. Uh, you've had a really good season for your first year. You're going into your second season as a Tiger. When you look at the Auburn Tigers last year and what they did last year, and now going into a new season where there's a lot of questions about, obviously, who is going to be the outcast of these SEC teams, these power and power five teams. I, I mean, Georgia has won back-to-back championships, but going into the season, they lost a lot of pieces. They're still they have quality players. There's no question. We've had a we've had a, a recent Warren Brinson, yes. Warren Brinson on who is confident about this year. And what it, what is your confidence? Where do you see the Auburn Tigers this year uh, going uh, to a ball game or maybe even to a championship game? <laughs> 
Um, I mean, I definitely just see us getting getting better throughout the, as the week goes on, and and each week I definitely think you know we got the team, we have the talent to match up with anybody in the country. You know, our coaches did a good job of bringing guys in and and you know building this thing up, and and everyone kind of has the same mindset. We have a lot of guys that you know this is their last year, and they're looking to you know get in a position to you know take care of their families. So I definitely think we're you know we're a hungry team. Um, we got the right guy leading us. We got the right coaches around us. Got the right staff around us, our strength staff. Speaking of, um, and, and you know, just everybody's just working. We're all hungry. We're all ready to, you know, show the world who Auburn really is. Because at, at the end of the day, Auburn is Auburn, and Auburn's always going to be Auburn. So we're just ready to show that. And we're looking forward to. It. We're all excited. We're all can't wait. After this break in July, we'll get into fall camp, and then you know it's rolling. So we're just ready to. We're not really in the in the talking position. We just want to, you know, just work. Um, we just want to work and just show everybody. Week four is definitely going to be, you know, big. Getting to play Georgia at home. Mm. I mean, that's like our statement game. It's a big statement. Let me tell you, those those Bulldogs are the Philadelphia Bulldogs now. So it's no more the Philadelphia Eagles. They are the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Because uh, Keontae, when you go into the draft next year, quite possibly, there could be a very good chance that that Philadelphia Bulldog team drafts you. But uh, we're really excited about watching you this year. Good luck. Uh, we will we will reach out to you again. We would love to get you on again in the middle of the season to see what you you're thinking uh, on the Tigers and where you think your Tigers team is heading this coming season. No, no doubt, no doubt. Keontae Scott, fantastic kid, very very good. He's confident, and he he compares his skills to Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. So. If if he's anywhere close to Jalen Ramsey, this kid is going to have a sensation. He wants to he wants to be a face like LeBron James to his community and and where he comes from. So I, you you love that from a kid that believes in his talents. And and when you read his story from JUCO and everything, right. and how he he's made it to the SEC and Auburn Tigers, and then having the season that he had last year, it's a, it's a sensational story. Absolutely. It really is. He's a good kid, and we wish him all the luck in the world. And Speedy, you keep in touch with him. And hopefully we can get them on in the middle of the season. When we come back, we will be talking to North Carolina junior running back, Elijah Green. If you don't know who he is, Victor Green's son, a kid that is elusive, eight touchdowns, 500. What was it, Speedy? I think it was 558 yards last year. 558 yards last year and could be a pretty good prospect going into the NFL draft. I believe if he has a season, I told you this, Speedy, if he, he if he goes from 8 to 12 touchdowns and 1,100 yards this coming year, this kid will be a top second, third round pick. I think a second round pick, what we've seen, his talents. And he was fun to watch this year. Watched him twice. When we come back, Elijah Green here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Go check us out by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Sports Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesdays. We are live 7 p.m. or Thursdays at 9 p.m. Live shows, guys. If you miss any of the shows, any of the interviews, and you want to check us out on, on Apple Podcast, we have 1.6 million downloads and counting. 
Go check us out. You can find us. Sports Loudmouth Speedy puts it up right away. Whatever you missed. If you missed Keontae's interview or even missed now Elijah Green's interview, well, you can check us out tomorrow, 24 hours from now. It will be up, and you can tune in. But anyways, Elijah Green is on the line right now. We're going to get him in right now. But thank you to Keontae Scott. We are now talking to North Carolina Junior running back Elijah Green. Elijah, what's up, man? What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Can you guys hear me all right? We yes. hear you perfectly, man. You look good. You look kind of like your father. You really do. <laughs> it's crazy. And just so you know, I was a Victor Green fan. Speedy actually told me before we have you on, you know who Elijah is? Elijah Green? I said, yeah, he plays for North Carolina. He's a running back. And he, he told me, he says, you know who, whose father he is? Uh, whose who son, you know, who sunned him? And I said, he said, Victor Green. I said, yeah, I know Victor Green. Uh, so the strong safety for the New York Jets and uh, the Jets drafted him in 1993. I remember it. Uh, let me ask you first, before we get into anything, uh, how are you and your family doing with COVID-19? I mean, obviously it's the last three years has been horrible, uh, but everything's gone now. Everything is back to normal. How are you and your family doing? Yeah, the family's doing good. It's going good. We're here. Uh, we live in Georgia now. So we, I was born in New York actually, but lived my whole life in Georgia. So we're here in Georgia now. And it's been it's been pretty good the last couple of years. Of course, COVID hit and we had a quarantine and everything like that. But now that things are a lot normal, my dad's you know back out golfing a lot. <laughs> you know, my mom's been able to get out too. I'm able to get out, so it's it's everything's back to normal now. So I'm just blessed to be able to you know that everything all that's done with now. Your father had a long career, eleven years in the NFL. He played for the Jets for nine of them. He went to obviously. Uh, quite a few different teams, and uh, I don't like uh, to name the other two teams, but that's just because I'm a Jet fan. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I, I loved your father. He was a good guy. I actually met him one time. I met him when I was a kid. I, I think I was like 16, 17 years old. He was on the football field. He was visiting. He was speaking. was one of the speakers uh, for the Jets organization, and I met him, and he was a very kind, collective guy. I actually had a sh- I had a picture with him. I don't take pictures. Even when I was a kid, I don't take pictures. But for some reason, I, I, I always liked your father. He, he seemed really down to earth. And when I had a chance to meet him, he was really, really good. But So I, I thank your father for doing that. But nevertheless, let's get to you, okay? And you had a sensational year. You really did. You stood out. Uh, you are, and Speedy was talking about, if you want to say you were the 1B to the 1A for North Carolina Tar Heels, there's a good chance this year you could be the 1A and uh, everybody else would be the 1B and 1C or whatever the hell they are. But uh, uh, you're a kid that a lot of people think could be a pretty good prospect going into the next level. 558 yards, eight touchdowns. What was, all, what really took your game to the next height from last year's game, uh, last year's season? Yeah. Um, are you talking about from leading into the season? Yes. Yes. Leading into the season and, and having the season that you had. Yeah. Leading kind of into the season, it was all just kind of about my mindset. And the last couple of years didn't get a lot of playing time, was mostly playing special teams and, you know, just trying to develop my game and kind of figure out what I was missing. Because I never want to say like, I'm blaming the coaches and it's a coach's fault while I'm not playing. Like I got to kind of, I had to look into myself and see what part of my game did I have to continue to work on. So it's kind of sitting down, having some honest talks with myself and figuring out what are those things to do and then making a plan and mapping out exactly what I need to do to make sure that I maximize those things. So uh, I had a really good spring ball uh, before the season and 
kind of put myself in a position where the coaches saw the, a lot of improvement and were looking to me to be a person that could be in the rotation. It was kind of just continuing to work on my game and get better every single day and kind of had a chip on my shoulder because, you know, I was at the bottom of the depth chart and being able, you know, it's really tough for a college player coming in, being one of the best players in your state, one of the best players in the country. And then you step on a campus and all of a sudden, you know, you're nobody, you're back to just a name and nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows where you came from. Nobody knows how many state titles I won in high school. Nobody knows how many yards I ran. So it's kind of starting fresh. And I had to kind of, you know, take it with a grain of salt and know that it's just all part of the process. So being able to take that and use that kind of chip on my shoulder to use it as motivation to know that I can use this to push myself to go harder and kind of earn that spot back and earn to where I knew that I was capable of going in college. So, uh, yeah, so kind of through the season, throughout the summer, it was keeping that kind of in my mind. Beginning of the season, I did not do great in fall camp, and I was coming in as like the number two back. So lost my spot, went down. I was the fifth running back on the depth chart. Then first game, had an opportunity at the end of the game because we had blown out FAMU, had the opportunity to be able to come in. First run, broke it for about 50-something yards, starting to kind of get my groove back, kind of feeling really good. And then um, I felt something on my my thumb, and it was really bothering me during after, like, one of my runs at the end of the game, but kind of shook it off and went in, scored a touchdown. They called it back, scored again. They called a pe penalty. So it was just not a great night for me, honestly. And then uh, finding out that I broke my thumb, during one of those plays so I was in a whole cast for the next six seven weeks mm. so I wasn't able to obviously be able to have an opportunity to run the ball and carry the ball so that was a really really tough situation for me on scout team had a whole club on my entire hand like they'd wrap it up with as much like casting as they could mm -hmm. and I could only carry the ball in my in my left hand and had a huge club on that so just trying to give the defense a good look and it came to the point where I was able to convince the doctors. I was like, you guys got to figure out something. I got to get this cap off my hand. Like, I need to figure out a way to play. So talked to the doctors and was able to move into like a smaller splint on my thumb and kind of went to the the coaches. And I was just like, yeah, I got out of the cast. Like, what what can I do? Like, can I can I get an opportunity? Can I have, have a chance and whatnot? So it kind of came to the point where some of our running backs were getting injured. And mm -hmm. coach came to me before we were about to play Duke and he was like, you know, if we can't get the run game started, we're going to put you in and see what you can do. So it was kind of in my mind, the whole chance, like, I was like, wow, I can really get an opportunity this game. So fast forward to that Duke game on the sideline, didn't come out to like a fast start with the run game. So coaches were like calling me on the sidelines. I'm looking around like, cause I didn't, I didn't think that he was really, I was going to really get my chance. It's going to be my shot. And he said, like, Elijah, you're, you're going in now. So kind of got that chance, got the chance to go in the, uh, in the game and had two touchdowns a game on three carries. So that was kind of me kind of taking off right there. And I didn't want to look back. So I just made the most of that opportunity. And then the rest of the season was able to build that kind of momentum, build confidence, continue to believe more in myself. And, you know, I just stayed the course no matter what setbacks that I had. I just kept on going and it all uh, really worked out really well for me.
Well, I just want to let you know, I do look in the mirror too, and I do talk to myself. So if you do that, we're 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 like blood brothers because I love to look in the mirror and speak to myself. I actually yodel to myself sometimes just to get myself waking up in the morning. I smack myself in the face, I look at myself in the mirror and start howling, and you know it, it wakes me up. So I don't know about you, I don't know if you howl at yourself, but at least you talk to yourself because I howl. As everybody knows, we are talking to North Carolina junior running back Elijah Green. You know, Elijah. We, we look at the running back position and, and the way the game has changed. And going into that next, you know, that next level with the NFL, running backs usually only play three to four years in the NFL. And, and you look at the type of player that you are and, and, and the way you run the ball and the type of player that the NFL wants to bring into the game. Now, they want to bring in a running back that can catch the ball, Bijan Robinson being one of them, who can catch the ball and run the ball and have a longer career. What type of player are you? I'm a player that I use my speed. I feel like my speed's always been a huge advantage for me, being able to have, be to get the ball and go straight downhill. That's kind of my kind of style of game. And I try to play fast paced, be patient. But then when I see a hole, I want to go ahead and really hit it. And um, I like to think of myself as like a home run hitter. And I'm going to be the guy who's going to be able to break those 80 yard touchdowns, those 70, 50 yard touchdowns make long gains and stuff like that. So I always try to use that to kind of my advantage. And that's been a huge part of my skill set that I've been trying to develop and kind of how I was talking about before the reasons that I wasn't playing early on in my college career is because I came from an I formation um, high school team. Mm -hmm. So we ran the ball like 40 times a game and I never had the opportunity to actually catch the ball within because we weren't an I formation. Mm -hmm. So I never caught the ball. I never worked too much on my hands and I got into college and now we're in this air raid offense where the running back is, has to be involved in all facets of the game and I have to catch the ball. I have to block. And those two things, catching and blocking were things I'd never worked on ever. So when I came in, um, I think one of the announcers said that my uh, offense coordinator said, like, I couldn't catch a cold in Alaska. <laughs> and that was kind of like, <laughs> that was his way of putting into words that I was not up to speed with my hands. And it came to a point where I had to work every single day after practice. After practice, 30 minutes, you know, I'd grab any, any of the quarterbacks and I'd just make them throw to me just every single day without missing a day. Or I'd get on the jug machine, catch 100 balls. I'd be in my bedroom. I'd be throwing a tennis ball on the wall. I'd be like, I'd get a football and I'd just like, just like practice throwing it around in my hands. And it really took that. It took a lot of that discipline to be able to develop this part of my game so where I can now use it as a strength because I know trying to get, uh, trying to play in the NFL, you got to be an all around player. So that was a part of my game that I needed to work on. And it's a thing that I was actually able to work on a lot and get really good at. So I kind of take pride in that and, the hard work that I put in towards doing that. And I know it's definitely going to pay dividends, especially with longevity and the future in the NFL. Yeah, you mentioned the transition to coaching from uh, high school to college. And Mac Brown, we always uh, one of the longest tenured coaches in college football. I think he's one of like six or seven with a national championship. So what is he like as a coach, his offensive scheme, like you said, like for you to be able to run in and also his personality off the field? Yeah, Co Coach Brown, he's, a, he's an amazing coach. You know, he's really a player's guy. Like, he likes to take input from all the players. He's always asking us, like, what do you guys need? What are we not providing you? And how can we provide that for you? He's always really open, and he likes to keep a, a kind of thing where players can go to him about anything. Like, you can go and talk to Coach 
and be like, okay, I'm struggling with this, or this isn't, we, we want this in the locker room or this like that. And he'll take those things. He'll write it all down. And the next, next day that thing will be fixed in the locker room and the next day we'll have that meal. So it's uh, really awesome that he is there and open to the players. But then another thing that he truly cares about every single player on the team, he's really, really invested in, you know, our futures. He's like, you know, he wants us to graduate. He wants us to have as much fun as anybody in college football. And he really emphasizes that throughout everything that we do through practices, through workouts and everything. So I really admire him a lot and I respect because sometimes you feel like coaches, you know, we're kind of, it's all, because college is obviously a business and, mm. you know, sometimes coaches or can make it feel like, you know, it's a business and oh, I'm going to my job. But a lot of times like coach Matt, uh, coach Brown is just really, really good at making us feel like, you know, this is something that we get to do. This is an opportunity for us to be together as brothers and have a good camaraderie and have a lot of fun while we're playing college football. So that's something I really expect and respect and admire about him. We are talking to North Carolina junior running back Elijah Green. Elijah, you were talking about your broken thumb. And a lot of people here, are actually around the NFL, were taking shots at Aaron Rodgers, who had a broken thumb on his throwing hand. And he said, oh, he's washed up. He's doesn't, he didn't have the season he had last year because he was playing, you know, he just wasn't good. He's old. And he ever, what people forget is he was playing with a broken thumb. He wasn't wearing a cask. And everybody, he still led the NFC in touchdowns. He still threw, what was second or third lowest interceptions in the NFC. He was everything you want from a quarterback who had a broken thumb. Why don't you explain to the fans what it's like to have a broken thumb, but you're a running back. Just imagine a quarterback in his throwing hand. Just tell the fans, please, explain it to them, plead it to them how bad it is to grip a football. No, no, it was it was really, really tough, like, going through that transition, especially when I first got the, the hard cast off and I was in a splint. Like, you know, I could probably put minimal pressure on top of a – on top of the football like I still was really favoring my left my left side through probably in the next couple games mm-hmm. next couple weeks until I started getting a little bit more strength in my thumb but you know like that first game back I didn't carry the ball in my right hand because I just didn't have enough strength in it and I didn't trust it enough to know that I could really carry the ball because ripping a football takes so <laughs> much strength and mm-hmm. we often take it for granted how like it might feel easy but when you don't have that part of your thumb literally impossible and it came to the point, like, even brushing my teeth was hard. <laughs> I'm trying to strengthen it. Like, I'd have, like, a little, like, I had these, like, hand uh, grippers to work on my like, grip. <laughs> and I could barely even press it down, not even an inch. So it's definitely, it sounds like, oh, just a broken thumb. Yeah. Just tape it up and you're yes. good. Yeah. No, yes. it's a broken thumb. Like, you don't understand how, like, how much your thumb is involved in everything you do like just picking up something or something like that. Like I think probably it was probably one of my hardest like injuries because I literally felt like I couldn't do anything. So, like so, trying to shower. I'm just using one hand. Having to do everything wiping your life. ass, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you had to learn how to wipe your ass with your left. So, yeah, you know, so you're pretty much saying it. it's pretty hard. It, it's actually it's almost impossible to grip a football and throw it and still throw 27 touchdowns. Is that what you're telling me? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely telling you that. Uh, well, see, there you, there you go. We, we, we just asked a college football player who's pretty damn good. He's a running back. He's not even a quarterback. And he's telling all the fans, hey, you know what? 
if he's washed up, if he threw that many touchdowns, ladies and gentlemen, and he still can grip the ball, it just tells you the type of player that he is. He's tough-minded, and he could give a living crap what anybody thinks, by the way. So there you go. So speaking of quarterbacks, you played with a very good one on, yes, your, on your team, Drake May, who a lot of people believe could be a early top five pick in next year's NFL draft, one mm-hmm. of the, the highest favorite for the Heisman as well this year, too. So what is he like to play with and also his personality off the field? Yeah, it's it's a really, really fun to play with Drake. He He's an awesome guy. Having the opportunity to become closer with him throughout the season the last couple of years has been really, really awesome. Just seeing how he's grown from, you know, learning from Sam and learning from the other quarterbacks. And he's kind of taken that and developed it into his own game has been really, really awesome to see. And just the way that he's also developed himself as a leader and being able to lead us as a team because the quarterback everyone's looking at the quarterback to lead the team. And I feel like he was able to take, you know, those, those reins and really command the offense and be able to command the team. So I really, really admire Drake and respect him and off the field. He's, he's one of the funniest guys. Like he's, he's a really, really personable guy, nicest, humble down to earth. Like you would think that being the best quarterback in college football, would have a little bit of an ego or something like that, but Drake's really, really humble and, he carries himself well. He has a strong faith, and, you know, it's I really respect and admire him a lot. So, obviously, your father played in the NFL. We were just speaking about that. And what was it like growing up from an ex-NFL player that played 11 years? And, you know, growing up, everybody's saying, you're, you're the next. You're going to be the next guy in the family. You're going to be the guy that's going to get there again. And we've seen a lot of kids that come from families and fathers that played in the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the MLB, and they're always going to be compared to their dads. Now, you're practically the same size as your father going, and practically the same weight as your father when he played in the NFL. What could you say your father did as a kid that pushed you to become the player that you are today? Uh, I feel like just instilling in me the work ethic, you know, like we're not the biggest guys, the strongest, the fastest and whatnot. But the thing that my dad had and that he's instilled in me is to have like a little bit of an edge in that work ethic, like having that mindset that no one's going to outwork you. And that's something that he instilled for me when I was little, just being like, you always have to do more. You can't do the bare minimum. There's always to do because everyone's working. Everyone's working hard. But what are you doing on top of working hard? That's going to those little things that are going to separate you. So those are the kind of the, one of the biggest things I learned about him is being able to really take to heart, you know, how important sleep is, hydration, just eating, stretching, watching film, like those things that some guys aren't doing a lot of and being able to just build a lot of equity, build a foundation and stacking those days up on top of each other. Because those little things, those little things that you're doing to get better every single day is really adding up. And by the end of the as you're continuing to work, it's going to build up so much equity that you have a huge, huge lead on the other people that aren't working as hard. So that's something that he's really instilled in me, that work ethic and, you know, having to do more. So that was really, really awesome to be able to have him as a dad to be able to teach me those things. Elijah, you want to see what I hydrate myself with? This is great for you. Okay, here you go. Right here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am selling you know, it right hey, now. Get the job done. <laughs> 
Well, I'm not. I'm not about to, you know, play college ball in, you know, Division One ball or go to the NFL. So, you know, you have to have fun. I do work out and I do take care of myself. Uh, I'm in pretty good shape, but you know, a little. You know, I like this stuff, man. It, it yeah. really hydrates me. Yeah, you gotta treat yourself every now and then. Oh, I treat myself all the time. <laughs> 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 so you were talking about your dad too like is there any like uh, other players like his former teammates that you have encounters with uh, either at your childhood or mm-hmm. even when you were getting into high school football that maybe have given you some advice as well or even uh, some experiences with yeah I've actually had a lot a lot of different conversations with NFL players that you know he's played with or crossed paths with so being able to have that and as growing up and even to now having those connections to be able to like call different guys has been awesome like uh it was last year i talked with marshall falk mm-hmm. about for like two hours he was just sitting down with me just telling me about like watching film and things that he did to separate himself um i always tell this one story about um i was this was in seventh grade seventh or eighth grade and i didn't know if i wanted to play football anymore mm. and it was something that I kind of had my mind set up. I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I really love the game and whatnot. And uh, I get a call from my dad and he's like, Hey, I got someone who wants to talk to you on the phone. He's like, I was like, okay, who is this? And he's like, it's Bo Jackson. I'm like, (laughs) Bo Jackson. (laughs) And then uh, he puts Bo Jackson on the phone and I talk with Bo Jackson. He's on the phone for like 30 minutes just telling me about why I should play football. and ended up playing football and i guess it's worked out pretty well for me going for it so those are kind of little things that i've been able to have growing up and being able to have those connections and meet different nfl players and they all offer a lot of great perspectives had a lot of talks with curtis martin i was just going to bring up his name and i called um, him you know what i used to call him when i was a kid I called him Cujo, okay? And everybody says, who the hell is Cujo? And I said, Curtis Joseph? No, Curtis Martin. I called him Cujo because every time he found the gap, he just ripped people apart when he hit the gap. He was the best at doing it. And and by the way, he's a person that you absolutely could talk to because I've spoken to him quite a few times. I went to a bunch of events that he spoke for for concussions and everything that he does. what, What makes him so amazing is he comes from a family in Pittsburgh, a uh, family that his grandmother was murdered, and he he found his mother dead in his apart in her apartment when he was you know when he when he went home, and he was a guy that didn't want to play football. As a matter of fact, he tells the story like he was forced to play football because his mother didn't want him to grow up on the streets, and he hated football. Even when he was in the NFL, he wasn't a big football fan, but he goes down as one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game. For a guy that went over there in the Hall of Fame, Elijah, and said mm-hmm. he didn't love football. He never loved football. He just he understood how to play the game. He saw the game completely different. So what? What? I mean, obviously, you spoke to Curtis. Your father played with him for a while. Uh, what was it? What was it like speaking to a guy like Curtis Martin? Yeah, he's like really, really humble. He's a humble dude. You wouldn't know he's a Hall of Fame running back. And I just really respected like. Because I think when I talked to him, I was still in high school and, you know, he was really, really busy, but he really took the time to sit down and talk with me. And, you know, a guy like that who's got so many different things going on, mm-hmm. had to make different appearances for him to like sit down and even have that conversation with a high school player and be able to instill on me different advice and things that I need to be working on. 
and things that he did in the NFL that led him to have such a successful career, I just really admired and respected a lot because, you know, someone of his caliber type play, being able to take that time to talk with me. So I really, really respected Curtis. My dad is great friends with Curtis still to this day. So he's a really, really good uh, uh, person and friend of the family. So. So any modern running backs currently in the NFL right now that you enjoy watching and you model your game around? I like to take a little bit of all the running backs. Like I like to just watch just I like I like watching great running backs. So I grew up I was a huge Chris Johnson fan, especially because I was kind of saw a little bit of myself in him with the speed and being able to be an explosive type player. So I really looked up to Chris Johnson. I loved watching Adrian Peterson. And kind of today, I like looking at a lot of uh, a lot of different running backs. I really like Alvin Kamara. Mm. I really admire the way he plays with so much balance and control. And I kind of try to take some of those things and bring it into my game. So uh, usually when I'm getting some extra work in, I'll work a lot on my balance and core and strength and using those kind of things that he does and being able to bring it into my game. Really like watching Saquon, one of the most fun people to watch. So, uh, yeah, I like I like just being a student of the game and being able to take different things that other running backs do very well, kind of find a little bit of similarities within stuff that I do. And then being able to take those things and try to figure out how I can bring it into my game, whether it's a move or whether it's a way that they set up a defender or if it's a workout that I saw them doing online. And, you know, just being able to take those little things, be a student of the game and develop myself into a better player because of it. You know what player you remind me of that plays in the NFL right now? He plays for the Philadelphia Bulldogs now. Okay. His name is DeAndre Swift. I watched you play twice this year. Okay. DeAndre Swift is not a big man. He's five foot nine. He's two sixteen. He's built like an ox. Can run when he hits the gaps. When he's healthy, the guy is almost unstoppable. And he he used to shred defenses when, especially even last year, when I got a chance to watch him a little bit last year. And two and in two thousand twenty one, yeah, obviously, but. Five touchdowns last year, 542 yards. That's the type of player you remind me of, a guy that can go in there, use your speed. You, you don't need size. Use that grit and that, you know, that will to get you where you want to go. And I, I think, obviously, you have the pedigree, your father, Victor Green, and uh, just who you are as a person, your, your personality and, and the way you speak, you see, you hear it in your confidence that you can, you can be that type of player. So I, I res- listen. I respect who you are. I, I love the way you play because I, when Speedy told me we, we're going to have you on tonight, and listen, we we interview a lot of these prospects, and and a lot of them, uh, some of them are fathers that have played in the league. Some of them are just guys that come from places you wouldn't even believe where they came from, and. And their dreams and admirations on where they want to go in their career, it's amazing when you hear their stories. When I listen to you, and we even talked to Keontae Scott, who comes from he, – he played for uh, Juco, and, and he had to earn his way up there. The way, what I see in you as a player is that you went through so many you know, situations in, in your early college career. You went from a top player from high school – and winning championships, and then you go to North Carolina and you realize that you're like the fifth guy on the roster that's going to get a chance. you got to earn your way on that roster. you got to grit yourself to be that player. And that, to me, man, shows the person that you are. It wasn't that you went out there and said, my father's Victor Green. I know this guy. I know that guy. No, you went on the field, 
and you proved yourself to the coaching staff, to the players, that you're capable of going out there and putting up the numbers and being the player that you are. And that, to, my, to me, shows who you are as a person. And that's why I think you will succeed, man. I, I really do. Uh, you have a good name, Elijah Green. I mean, it rolls off the tongue, man. Maybe you're the next Jet. I mean, Michael Carter could be gone next year. So, hey, you know what? When you go into the draft, maybe the Jets say, you know what? Let's bring a old Jet to the team. You know, his son, Elijah, hung From out North with the North Carolina team. running back to the other. There you go, man. We bring you, you bring you in, and, and you become the superstar, you know, the other guy for the New York Jets. So, I, I, I listen, I, I think that you're a good kid. I am looking forward to seeing what you do this year, and I'm looking forward to getting you back on during the season, like we were, tell, we were talking to Keontae Scott and, and seeing how you are and, and the way the roster is going. Because I'll tell you this right now. We talked to uh, Duke. Uh, the Duke, Riley Leonard. Riley yes. Leonard, who is the Duke quarterback. And I, I love the kid. He's been on our show since high school. This kid comes on our show like clockwork. We call him. He says, when, when do I need to come on? And it, he is one of those kind collective guys. Has no cockiness in his blood and what makes him special is he says listen i just want to go on the field and and not make my family look bad and and Mm -hmm. and i and i and that's that's special to me because he all he cares about is his family and 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 the way he makes his family look when he steps on that field and i think somebody like you who who has a father that like i said i respect i met him in hofstra i i heard I, i heard him speak when i was a kid and i have a lot of respect for him I think that that's something that you could turn out to be, and and maybe hey, hey, if you're not a jet, you're a giant. I mean, I won't love you because you're you're, you're not a jet, but I, I'll love you as a person because I think you're a good kid, and I'm looking forward to seeing you play this year. So thank you, I really appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So any uh, both individual plays and individual uh, mo- or team plays, team moments that you had this season that were the best for you. Um. I would definitely have to say the game winner against Duke, mm. having that being like kind of my first game is really, really getting a lot of playing time. Uh, the game winner to Antoine Green in the corner uh, definitely was probably one of the best moments because that game, you know, having an opportunity to beat Duke on one of our rivals is always is always fun to do. So um, we won't tell Riley that, okay? We won't we won't yeah, tell yeah, Riley that. We won't tell him that, okay? Because yeah, yeah, we don't want to hurt his feelings, you know. I owe him a pizza pie here in New York. He's never had a pizza here in New York. I've been trying to think or find a way to ship it to him because he says, I want to taste that. I say, listen, dude. And we might even get Warren Brinson up here because he, he wants to get a chance to see New York. He had a chance uh, with his mom early this year. Something happened. He couldn't come up here. So I said, listen, you come up for a weekend. I'll show you what Long Island's about. Then you'll, then you'll, you'll know what New York's about. So when you're ready, you know, you know, maybe the Jets will draft you, you know, and then you, yeah, get, I hope so. you have a pretty good, you have a pretty good career here in New York. And then we'll show you even more around, but uh, it, it's, it, it's crazy, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, definitely winning that game and then winning the, uh, the coastal division mm-hmm. against Wake Forest, being in a locker room and celebrating with the whole team nine and one. That was awesome. And uh, finishing the season uh, six and on or five and on the row. That was, that was awesome having that opportunity. I think five and oh, six and oh, I think six and oh. It was but, six and oh. Uh, I yeah, think winning, was, yeah, yeah, winning all of our games on the road. So that was that was definitely one of the highlights of the season for me. Well, I want to tell you, man, good luck this season. We'll get you on in the middle of the season. If you have time, we'd love to get you on and see how you're doing over there, see how your team's doing, what you're feeling. Hey, maybe 
you'd be fighting for a national championship this year. Who knows? Always the goal. Yeah, you have a quarterback, man, and you, with your game and and with some of the the offense that you have over there, you have a great coach. And hey, listen, your defense played pretty well last year too. So uh, you have an opportunity to be pretty pretty damn good this year. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon, Thank buddy. You. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Absolutely. Elijah Green. He's fantastic, sweetie. Yeah. Oh yeah, Two, Keontae Keontae Scott and Elijah Green. Fantastic, fantastic yes. picks. And uh, two really good kids, and I believe two kids that are going to strive this year. I mean, we heard Keontae, what he did, and, and what they're saying about him. They're saying Keontae could be one of the top three, top four DBs in the, in, in the whole country this year. Yeah. And now you have Elijah Green, who I, I believe his personality, his perseverance, and, and who he is as a player, I, I think the pedigree that he has behind him, I mean, he has the opportunity to be something special too, so... I, both kids, uh, I'm looking forward to watching. And um, I watched I watched Elijah Green twice this year. And I told you, I said, I, I, I knew Elijah Green, but I didn't know Victor Green was his father. So that, that's the crazy thing. That's, that's not, I didn't know that. And then I, you said, you, you know who you know who his father was? I, I have no idea. So, uh, And that's, that's when I met Victor Green in the 90s. Uh, it was 99, I think, I met Victor Green. 99 when I met him. So mm. great interview. Yes. It really was. Thank you uh, to uh, Speedy Petey for getting the two fantastic guests. Bradley Beal was traded to the Suns on Sunday in exchange for Chris Paul, Landry Schmidt, two, hear this, two second round picks and two first round pick swaps. Okay. And I'm sorry, before we get into everything else and, and we're accustomed to these contracts that these players get, which is ridiculous. And I'm not going to argue what money they get because they earned it. Chris Paul is not the same Chris Paul he once was. Washington is going to buy out that contract. They're going to let him go to free agency. He is going to have a chance to go wherever he wants to play. If he wants to play for the Lakers, he wants to play for the Knicks, wherever he wants to go. He will not start the season with the Washington Wizards. As you see Kyle Kuzma opting out of his contract because he knows this team is going to suck. So honestly... This trade was practically Landry Schmidt. You traded one of the best shooting guards in the league for Landry Schmidt. Wonderful trade, by the way. Thank you, Kevin Durant, for speaking out and saying what you said. And then, all of a sudden, after saying that he had something to do with Bradley Beal being traded to the Suns, he goes out there on social media and says that Russell Westbrook Westbrook and Kyrie Irving changed the league for the better. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> Kyrie Irving changing something for the better? Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Russell one. Westbrook? Are you kidding me? That's ball hog mania right there. Are you kidding me? It's, I, I, it's so funny. When, when I go, and I don't, I'm not on social media a lot, by the way. I, I don't go on social media. Uh, my agent tells me you should be on social media posting things, and I, I do the best that I can. But I'm not going to sit here and sell everybody that everything that I say has any meaning towards it because it's it's your opinion sports radio is opinionated you can add some facts to it numbers are facts but it's your opinion and you entertain people with that opinion even if you hate them but i'm not gonna sit here and say hey you know what kevin durant says he had something to do with bradley beal being traded to the suns and russell westbrook and kyrie irvin changed the game for the better And we should respect them more for it. You know what I'm going to say about this time of basketball? This was the time of basketball 
where players don't shut the F up. That's the truth. They open their mouths and they throw themselves to the wolves because they want to sell themselves. That's what it is. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat Kevin Durant as we all know about his Twitter accounts. The guy's a liar. He's a great player. I stick up for him for his talents. He's fantastic. But what he does on social media and what he says, it's absolutely redundant, ridiculous, and stupid. Maybe maybe there's a just a virus going around on Twitter that Elon Musk created for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant together. Oh, please don't get me started with Elon Elon Runt. Um, what is I'm sorry, Elon Musk. I call him Elon Runt because that's what he is. All right. So I, I cannot sit here and listen. I don't have a. I'm not a billionaire. I'm not Elon Musk who owns. A, he practically built Tesla through you know getting government grants. That's what he did. I mean, he's a smart, intelligent man. I mean. He's getting free money from the government and building his product, his enterprise. Kevin Durant is a great athlete, but so stupid. It, it, there is honestly, his mother's an intelligent woman. I met his mother. She's a sweet, kind lady who went to school later, later in her life, got her degree. She is a fantastic woman. She needs to sit down with her son. And have a good conversation with him. Bradley Beal was traded to the Suns on Sunday in exchange for Chris Paul, <laughs> Landry Schmidt, two, hear this, two second round picks and two first round pick swaps. Okay? And I'm sorry, before we get into everything else and, and we're accustomed to these contracts that these players get, which is ridiculous. And I'm not going to argue what money they get because they earned it. Chris Paul is not the same Chris Paul he once was. Washington is going to buy out that contract. They're going to let him go to free agency. He is going to have a chance to go wherever he wants to play. If he wants to play for the Lakers, he wants to play for the Knicks, wherever he wants to go. He will not start the season with the Washington Wizards. As you see Kyle Kuzma opting out of his contract. Because he knows this team is going to suck. So, honestly, this trade was practically Landry Schmidt. You traded one of the best shooting guards in the league for Landry Schmidt. Wonderful trade, by the way. Thank you, Kevin Durant, for speaking out and saying what you said. And then, all of a sudden, after saying that he had something to do with Bradley Beal being traded to the Suns, he goes out there on social media and says that Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving changed the league for the better. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> Kyrie Irving changing something for the better? Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Russell one. Westbrook? Are you kidding me? That's ball hog mania right there. Are you kidding me? It's so funny. When, when I go, and I don't, I'm not on social media a lot, by the way. I, I don't go on social media. Uh, my agent tells me you should be on social media posting things, and I, I do the best that I can. But I'm not going to sit here and sell everybody that everything that I say has any meaning towards it. Because it's, it's your opinion. Sports radio is opinionated. You can add some facts to it. Numbers are facts. But it's your opinion. That's what it is. And you entertain people with that opinion. Even if you hate them. But I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, you know what? Kevin Durant says he had something to do with Bradley Beal being traded to the Suns. And Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving changed the game for the better. And we should respect them more for it. You know what I'm going to say about this time of basketball? This 
was the time of basketball where players don't shut the F up. They open their mouths and they throw themselves to the wolves because they want to sell themselves. That's what it is. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat Kevin Durant as we all know about his Twitter accounts. The guy's a liar. He's a great player. I stick up for him for his talents. He's fantastic. But what he does on social media and what he says, it's absolutely redundant, ridiculous, and stupid. Maybe maybe there's a just a virus going around on Twitter that Elon Musk created for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant together. Oh, please, don't get me started with <laughs> Elon Musk. I'm not a billionaire. I'm not Elon Musk who owns a, he he practically built Tesla through, you know, getting government grants. That's what he did. I mean, he's a smart, intelligent man. I mean, he's getting free money from the government and building his product, his enterprise. Kevin Durant is a great athlete. But so stupid. Honestly, his mother's an intelligent woman. I met his mother. She's a sweet, kind lady who went to school later, later in her life, got her degree. She is... A fantastic woman. She needs to sit down with her son and have a good conversation with him. Championships sell the player. Peyton Manning will be the first person to say it. Do I think Peyton Manning was a better quarterback than Tom Brady? I do. But the only reason why Tom Brady will always look to be better than uh, the Peyton Manning in anybody's eyes is because Peyton Manning won two championships and really only won one. And both championships, he didn't look good. So, and Tom Brady, he won... How many MVPs? Uh, Four or five MVPs? Do I think he deserved any of those MVPs? I think he should have been MVP in the game that he lost in Philadelphia. I thought he was unbelievable. 500 yards in that game. He was the MVP in my eyes. In Atlanta, okay, you want to give him the MVP? Fine, he was the MVP, even though I thought James White was the best. I thought James White was the best player in that game. Most consistent the whole game, yeah. And uh, there were just things that stood out to me about why people compare Tom Brady to everybody else because Tom Brady won all those championships. And he has almost every single record now because he played 25 years in the NFL. Right. So when you look at that and you look at the two players that you tried to compare and contrast to be the guys that changed the game, the only reason why they changed the game is because LeBron, you, and these two morons. You ever played Marco Polo? Yes. Okay, and you, you, you put somebody, you, you put like uh, something over their face to cover right. it so they can't see, and you say, yep. Marco Polo. <laughs> that's the way Kevin Durant and LeBron James plays the game of basketball off the court. They say Marco, everybody says Polo, and they got to try and they got to try to find them and touch them to get them out. The way the way you're describing it, it might seem like some kind of potion is getting involved in this. You get sucked in by LeBron James and Kevin Durant and two <laughs> LeBron especially. It's like he pulls off like GM LeBron all over. These two guys have. They're great players, but they have as good as of players that they've become and really outspoken players on social media. As we know, Kevin Durant has seven you know, Twitter accounts and LeBron James just likes to open his big mouth whenever he can. Um, they have as much as they have brought the game to higher heights. They've also hurt the game for the stupidity that they've done off the court. So thank you for your thoughts and wisdom. Makes no sense. But here, here's another thing. Uh, the Wizards will likely buy out Chris Paul's contract if they can't get a third team involved in a trade. There is no third team getting involved with Chris Paul. Chris Paul has not been healthy in the playoffs in, 
I don't know, seven years, five years. The guy can't stay healthy throughout the season. He's fantastic. I think he's the greatest point guard of the last 20 years. All-around point guards, he is the best. He plays defense. He's an all-world defender. He can pass. He can shoot. I mean, his game is starting to break, but... He's fantastic. He was a fantastic player. When he was being compared to Deron Williams, remember that? Yeah. And everybody was like, "Oh, these two guys are the best two guys in the NBA." And I said, "No, they're not." <laughs> and then Deron Williams. Deron went Williams <laughs> is an overrated player that played for Utah, that went to, was traded to the the Nets, and absolutely became the player that everybody thought he was going to be. The the player that really started the Nets' dysfunction. <laughs> I, I mean, it, ridiculous. The, the fact that he was compared to that guy. Okay, mm-hmm. but. The fact that anybody thinks that Chris Paul is going to be traded for anything, he's not. He is going to be let go. And here's my prediction. You ready, my prediction, Speedy? Are you ready to hear this? I think I know what it is, but God. Here's what's going to happen. He is go- he's going to be waived, and he will be a free agent. When he becomes a free agent, he will have his choice to go to an NBA championship team. He will get the chance to play for that NBA championship team. You ready to hear this, Speedy? All righty. There's only two teams he's going to play for. You ready to hear this? He'll play for the Lakers because of LeBron James and their best friends. Of course. And number two, he goes back to Phoenix. Ooh. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now. I'm not going to be surprised if Chris Paul gets waived and he's a free agent. He goes running back. Running back to Phoenix. He should. And you know why he's doing that? Because that's the whole ploy when he says basketball's a business. He says nobody is going to keep you because they love you. Okay? Meanwhile, he knew very, very well that that was his sale to say, you know what? I can go back to you guys when I get waived. So watch this, guys. Mark my words. That's where he's going. I, I know everybody says the Knicks, the Knicks don't want him there. I mean, it would be cool to have him and Jalen Brunson in the back of the, you know, the, the backcourt. It would be fun. It's not happening. Plus, again, he's not the same scorer. He wasn't really like great. Like he's an eighteen. Well, Jalen Brunson would be the two guard, right, but they're which, too small. And yeah, it wouldn't work in, uh-huh. this, in this NBA, which is going to take a little bit from away from Jalen Brunson's amazing passing. So, so yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, the, the Knicks are better off targeting more forward types. One hundred percent. Yeah, and even if he's cheap, which he will be. I'm telling you, that's where he's going. And, and so you're right. He should go back to the Suns, he logistically. Will. He will. I think he'll will end up with the Lakers, but I think he should go back to the Suns. Why not? Well, yeah. Maybe he had a plan the whole time to go back to the Suns. Mm-hmm. Why not? Him, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. If there's any team that can beat the Nuggets next year, it would yeah. be them. Uh-huh. It would be them if they are healthy. And they're the only team that took the Nuggets to six games of the postseason. Yeah, you want to know something? I think the Nuggets kind of played it, played all played at the end of that series. I, I think that series should have ended a long time ago. I think they they kept them in that series because honestly, they were that much better than they were. Oh yeah, you know, for so. sure. No, no, yeah, there were a lot of blowouts in that series, and the Suns' quality play, even against the Clippers, was ugly. <laughs> I just think they kept them in that series because they wanted to make the series be, become a little more closer. Everybody wanted to see that series, and it wasn't even – it really didn't even stand out the way they expected it to. So yeah. the Suns will have $163 million combined committed to Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Ayton. They are $29 million over the cap. And you know what they're going to do, guys? I'm going to tell you what they're going to do with this. They will drop a couple of players if they can bring – a guy like, you know, they bring back a Chris Paul. Chris Paul is only going to demand one to $2 million. They will give him a veteran minimal because they can give a veteran minimal. Mm-hmm. They'll give him the $5 million if it makes him happy. He will be there. He will be the starting point guard. Beal will be the, Beal, Beal will be the two. 
Uh, Kevin Durant obviously will be uh, Kevin Durant will be the four. Uh, Devin Booker will be the f- the three, and then DeAndre Ayton will be the five. And you're talking about the best five in the NBA. Oh, yeah. It's not even an argument. And the team that will knock off the Denver Nuggets. Um, among active players, KD, Booker, and Beal are all top twenty co- scorers in in their careers in points per game. Beal averaged 23.2 points per game, 5.4 assists per game, and 3.9 rebounds per game. So congratulations to Kevin Durant for practically preaching to the Wizards on sending. And ask me where Kevin Durant is from. Washington. Maybe he's on a ploy to buy the team at this rate. He's not going to manipulate I, them that badly. I'm just... I'm saying, well, what kind of trade is this? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, should be vetoed. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we, Chris Paul was vetoed to go to the Lakers years, right. years ago. I mean, that's David Stern. Now you have a guy like, uh, you know, the mastermind of them all, the, the, uh, the king of the NBA and ridiculousness. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Adam Silver. Who also let the member of Golden State when they signed DeMarcus Cousins, too. The year after they signed Kevin Durant, we were thinking the same thing. Oh, they're going to build up that starting five, too. And everyone thought it should have been vetoed, too. <laughs> That's the same kind of thing here. Probably even better. Reports from Boston and the Boston Globe say that the Celtics are unlikely to trade Jalen Brown. And he will sign a Supermax contract worth about $295 million. Jason Tatum is also eligible for $318 million dollars of super cash money after making first team all NBA. The Celtics are more likely to trade one of their other backcourt players in Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, or Derek White. Kyle Kuzma declined his player option with the Wizards of 13 million and will enter free agency. Kuzma will be 28 years old in July and said he wouldn't rule out returning to the Wizards at the right price. Not going to happen, boys. Uh, Kuzma averaged 21.2 points per game, 7.2 rebounds per game, and 3.7 assists per game. Draymond Green declined his player option of 27.6 and will enter free agency. Bye-bye, Draymond. Uh, Warriors new general manager, Michael Dunleavy. Mike Dunleavy coached the Lakers, coached the Golden State Warriors. Uh, The Warriors are interested at bringing him back. Yeah, okay. Draymond has hinted his preference is to return to the Warriors. I am going to tell you guys something. I don't care what Mike Dunleavy says. The fact that he opted out at $27 million, they're not giving him more than that. Go look at Draymond Green's numbers last year. I'm sorry, his numbers have dipped the last two and a half seasons. He's not the same player he was. And honestly, I like Draymond's game. I I love Draymond's game. But he is not the same Draymond Green. He's not the same Draymond Green that played for, I I don't know, Michigan State. I remember that. Uh, He's not the same Draymond Green that was drafted in the second round and became a household name because he couldn't shut his big mouth or (laughs) show his private areas all over social media. Or keep his feet to himself. Oh, that's another thing. His feet (laughs) fetish. A guy that averages 8.5 points per game, 7.2 rebounds a game, and 6.8 assists. And everybody says it's triple-double. He's not worth more than $27 million. He's not even worth $20 million. And you have Chris Stapp's Porzingis that's available, who can give you, probably will get $30, $32 million a year uh, on an NBA team, can still average 20 to 25 points a game, can still rebound about eight rebounds a game, and can right. still give you about three to four assists a game. 
why would you bring back Draymond Green? I'm more curious on why Draymond is not is making that decision too. Like, does he expect to get more out of the open market? Like, I think his team value to the Warriors is He's a lot bigger than his team value would be to another team right now because a lot of teams are building on these younger wings that could pass anyway, and that's where his value stands right now because for a four in today's NBA, he's undersized, and while he still is averaging over six six assists per game, a lot of that has to do with that system with the Golden State Warriors too, as Draymond hasn't gotten the same level of athleticism later in his career too. So his value, I don't think, will be the same for $27 million. It'll be, I think, at least 3 to $4 million less on the open market to another team. I just don't really see the decision-making on his part being smart, where he thinks he's going to get more money. Now, he might end up going back eventually, fine, at the reduced price, but it's going to be a lot more less than you think. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. Honestly. And I think that he's going to see that quickly and eventually go back for maybe even low 20s or even less. He's not going back to Golden State. I think he'll realize the open market is not good for him and then he'll eventually go back. They're not giving him $27 million. He opted No, they're out not. Him. They're not going to. He's going to get probably 20 or less, I, I think. He right opted now. out of the contract. Yeah. Why would he do that? And I mean, he's going to realize quickly he's not going to get that money elsewhere. He's going to go to a team that will probably give him around the same amount of money. He will fail there. Because his game fits what the Golden State Warriors do, and what they do is shoot threes. <laughs> right. That's all they do. So, I, I, unless they bring, and honestly, they should be looking at other options. I mean, Chris Tapsporzingis would be a great fit for them. He really would. Oh, I, yeah. I don't want him with the Knicks. I don't want to hear any Knicks fans say, oh, let's bring back Chris Tapps. I don't I heard the him. Celtics were, were very interested in him, too. Yeah. I, how are the Celtics going to pay him? I don't know. <laughs> they're going to have to going... trade both of their guards for that to happen. <laughs> Good luck. Even with that, they're paying, listen, they're paying two of their players almost $600 million. There is no way they're going to get Chris Tapps forcing us. I don't know, like, unless Kevin Durant tries to manipulate that trade, too, to have, screw the Wizards again. That's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. He's not going there. I think Chris Tapps could go to Golden State. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think he could change the way Golden State can run their offense through him, and, and, and it'll open up options for Steph Curry, because everything is run through Steph. But if sure. you could take pressure off Steph because of Chris Tapps being as big as he is and tall as he is, and he's still fairly young and still a pretty good player, I, I mean, it opens up uh, you know so many different options for the Golden State Warriors next year. So right. I, I, I think that makes a lot – and they, they could do that because if they lose Draymond Green and he opts out, that's $27 million they can spend. Right, which is much better worth it for a guy that – yes, Kristaps Porzingis might not be the raw defender that Draymond Green is, but he still rebounds a lot better because he's eight inches taller. And we saw the Warriors have a lot of issues with that against the Lakers. You don't when you're when you score at a clip like that, and you have Chris Tapps right. that can score at a clip like that. You really don't need defense in the playoffs. You might in certain aspects, but if you can rebound and you can keep up with the rebounding in each series, you'll be able to keep up with the good teams. Are you going to win? Well, I, I Phoenix is pretty good, and uh, the Nuggets are still the team yeah. to beat. Right. So, and I don't. And honestly, just Bradley Beal is not enough. I, I don't think Bradley Beal is enough to beat and dethrone. The Denver Nuggets. So not without a good point guard, no. No, he's not a good point guard, one. Number two, he's a shooter. You have three shooters on one team. It's one ball. Right. So, and Beal and Booker are practically the same kind of type of player, too. Booker's a little better now, but their primes are very similar. <laughs> Booker's better. No, better now, yeah, for sure. But, like, you think about their player types just as a whole. They're basically the same player. And Booker plays peaks. defense. He's yeah. a pretty good defender. And, and to me, Booker's the best player on that team. I, yes, Kevin Durant, you know, all-around offensive ability and everything like that. But all-around game, I'm Devin Booker's the best player. And Booker's a great playoff player, too. Yes. So, and, and what does that say to Booker? If they don't win this year, what does that tell Booker? 
in the oh, offseason. Yeah. It says if yeah, they fail years, with that team, yeah. That that's two years left on a contract. He could say, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. It's time to go. I want to go to a big marketplace. I want to go to Lakers. I want to go because uh, LeBron could be gone next year. I want to go to the Lakers. I want to go to the Knicks. I want to go somewhere. I I, I want to go to a big market. Mm-hmm. So Miami, because Jimmy Butler could be gone next year. Yep. So there there's so many options that other players are going to have in the next couple. And Devin Booker's only 26, 27 years old. Oh, yeah. So he still has a lot of time left. He's in the prime of his career. It's so interesting with the NBA because you can go back and forth and argue the points on where these guys are and personally the talent that they are with the teammates that they have around them. And, and again, there are a lot of teams that have a lot of good players on those teams, but they don't work well together. Russell Westbrook... Russell Westbrook went to the Lakers this year. Yeah. In the beginning of the – well, he was there last year. Right. But with a full season with the Lakers, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and, and DeAndre uh, – was it well, – I'm sorry, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Was, De, was, he, was it this year? Well, D'Angelo Russell was traded over Traded over them. That's right. Yes. That's right. And before D'Angelo Russell. But you had all those guys and you had Russell Westbrook. You had an MVP there. You had – actually, all three of them were MVPs. Right? Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis should have won an MVP. I thought the year Harden won it, but right. they got screwed. All right. He should have been. Nevertheless, you had three quality guys that were MVPs or should have been MVPs in the league at one point of their careers. And Russell Westbrook is, what, 30 years old, 31? I think yeah. he, he still – I still believed he had two years, three years left in the NBA. He just – it didn't work. And you know why? Because their games don't fit. That's why OKC had James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant as young players, rookies. They drafted them. They never won. They never could get over the hump. They couldn't beat Miami. They couldn't beat Wade. They couldn't beat LeBron. They couldn't beat Bosh. The NBA is, and to me, I think the NBA is just it's so terrible to watch in the regular season. Now, I can't sit there and watch the regular season. And as a matter of fact, I, I didn't watch – I watched the Knicks games because I'm a Knicks fan. But throughout the playoffs, I mean, was the NBA good to watch this year? I mean, honestly. It was a little more with the underdog runs, I guess. But so you're right. It still was ugly basketball a lot of the time. Too. It was just like, horrible. Like, the Warriors-Kings series was really good. Like, you could say the Celtics-Heat series was back and forth. That was very good. Like, But still, like, the quality of play was not all there either. Like, there were a lot of ugly defensive struggles. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, you know what? <laughs> Hey, I am a New York Knicks fan, and I'm going to watch 40 games this year because I'm a Knicks fan. I am a Knicks fan. I watched 11 games this year in the regular season. What was it? What was the number I gave last time? It was it was between 11 and 18, something like that. Okay. Yeah, and then I, I watched the whole that. playoffs. I watched the whole playoffs. Of course. And I watched the Knicks. You know, their ups and their downs, and in a series that they should have beaten Miami. Honestly, they should have. Uh, they were a better all around all around team. In my eyes, and I, everybody's going to say, well, the Celtics should have beaten them too. But, you know, the Celtics' problem, and, and it's been their problem for over the last couple of years, the reason why the Celtics have not won is because in each of those ch- series, they got into the, the finals last year. They couldn't get over the hump because when Jalen Brown was playing well, Jason Tatum wasn't. Right. When Jason Tatum was playing well, Jalen Brown wasn't. It, they have to be together if they're going to win. And they just aren't. They're not consistent. And as good as I think Jason Tatum is, because he's a Duke level, Blue Devil, and I like the kid, I really do, I don't think they'll ever win with the Celtics. Not with that team and the way it's built right now. 
Because the Eastern Conference, even though it's wide open, because it is, Miami will be good next year because Pat Riley's a smart man and he right. understands how to build teams. And uh, I think he's a good guy and, and he knows what he's doing. But Milwaukee will take steps back. They will. And that's why I think the freak will re- uh, retire. No, I won't. Th- I think he will opt out of his contract at the end of the year. I, I do. I think he will be gone. Giannis will go somewhere else. But, and that has nothing to do with the Bucks. I just think that he wants to win again. And I don't think he's going, I think their window is gone. So the teams that everybody keeps talking about now in the Eastern Conference, with obviously Philadelphia adding Nurse as the, the coach, who's a smart guy that's won a championship at Toronto and now has probably a more talented team over there in Philadelphia. A lot of people think they're going to jump in the Eastern Conference. And then there's the Knicks, who a lot of people think if this, and I'm just saying this, if Zion Williamson, and I think Zion Williamson could very much be an option for the New York Knicks, and if he could stay healthy, you you bring him to the team and you only have to trade Julius Randle, uh, a first-round draft pick, and maybe Fournier and somebody else right. uh, quickly. You're getting yourself a player that if he could stay on the court, you're getting a guy that's going is a legitimate superstar, and he's still in he's still in the prime of his career. Still with a lot of upsides, so you have to believe. Look, yeah, you got to take a chance through the roof. Yeah, you for that have price, to take absolutely. a chance. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm hearing. Uh, you know, something that the Knicks could offer where it makes sense. You you add a guy like Julius Randle, you add a guy like Quigley. Uh, and you, you add opportunity, you know, you can chat, you, you have to move Fournier because you have to move the contract. Right. And then probably uh, a first round or maybe two first round draft picks. I think you could see Liddell. Oh, yeah. Because, again, you have to factor in the contract, too, in itself for Zion Williamson is already risky to go for anyway. So that's already going to drop the value that the Pelicans are going to expect just think him what to the, get. Just so. look what Bradley Beal went for. It's crazy. We're talking <laughs> that's about That's crazy. just be illegal. I don't know how that happened. Because Andrew Samet didn't even have a great year this year. And that's their centerpiece of the trade? Yikes. That is a horrible trade, by the way. The Wizards should, should be illegal. ashamed. That should be the illegal. The Wizards should be ashamed of themselves. And, and, and Hart came out on social media when he heard that trade. He was like, what? They didn't even have to trade a first-round draft pick for Bradley Beal? So, and that was what he said. Yeah, I, I mean, seriously, it didn't make any sense. It, none of it did. But did you hear what the Knicks were going to have to trade to get Bradley Beal? I didn't hear it, but I imagine it's higher for an Eastern Conference team. R.J. Like Barrett. R.J. Barrett, who, by the way, just so everybody knows, I think R.J. Barrett's one of only two players in the last five years to – what is it? Hold on. I, while I'm doing this, I, I have it. I download. I took a picture of it. And I want to come up with this number because I, I wanted people – Hold on, Speedy. All right, well, well you yeah. look that up. I'll just read some of the comments. Uh, Snug said, uh, Celtics, Clippers, and some other team are wake- working on a three-way trade. Ben says, uh, Brogdon and the Clippers as Here part of the proposed Porzingis trade. God. Here it is. And it, this, is, this, is, this is the number, guys. R.J. Barrett and Luka Doncic are the only players in NBA history with 4,000 points, 1,400 rebounds, and 700 assists. Wow. And... 433 pointers before turning the age of 23. Wow. Those are the those those are the only two players at their ages right now that have hit those totals. And that just tells you what RJ Barrett everybody doesn't realize that RJ Barrett's been a good pro. Yes. Is he Zion Williamson? He does he stand Honestly, he's been better than Zion Williamson cuz he's been healthier. Of course. And is he's he as talented as Zion when he plays? No, he's not. No. Zion's better. Zion's a better player. Zion could be uh, the best player in the NBA when he's on the court. He really could dominate. 
And and John Morant, who was, you know, I think is a top five player in the NBA right now. He can keep his guns to himself. <laughs> so, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not talking about his muscles, guys. Derek knows. No, we, we we know. Uh, <laughs> maybe those are fake too. Maybe maybe uh, well, maybe Derek. You think Derek's no, fake? No, no, not not Derek. No, Jeff thinks Derek's fake. Wow. But no, no, no. Maybe John Morant's guns on his muscles are also fake too. How I mean, does Je- Jeff think Derek is fake? He's a human being. You look at him. No, just Je- Jeff just thinks that the oh Derek Mountwood that doesn't sound like a real person. Uh, well, you know what, Jeff? Sometimes I wonder if Jeff's real name is Jeff. He spells it not Jeff. It's like G E O F F. What is it? Jeff. Yeah. Geoff. Geoff. Yeah, that's like the older spelling. Geoff. Yeah. Geoff. Sounds like you're about to sneeze. Yeah, that, that, that's Jeff. That's Jeff for you in a nutshell. <laughs> Derek, Derek is only an alias according to him. Well, you want to know something? I, I sit here today, and uh, we know that Derek is for real, uh, obviously. So, I, you know, Jeff just likes to throw curveballs, or you know, it's so funny. Um, I accidentally called Jeff. Oh, I was boy. at the gym, <laughs> and I was, and I accidentally called him. He called me back, and I appreciate Jeff for trying to call me back because I, you know, we talk here and there, and then. He calls me yesterday. My 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 nephew graduated from from I think it was the sixth grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he graduated and he all honors and he achieved all these things. He won all these awards. So I'm at I'm eating like brunch with them. He calls me up and I say, Jeff, I'm at a graduation party. Blah 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 blah. He says, Okay, just just let your nephew know that the Yankees are cheaters. And I hung up the phone. Oh, boy. And I hang up the phone on him. <laughs> that is what so kind of person, random. What kind of person calls somebody up just to tell me that the Yankees are cheaters? Mm. No, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't, Jeff. And I, listen, I have a lot of respect for Jeff. I do. He, his knowledge is impeccable when it comes to sports. And, you know, he likes to bet soccer and he, he wins. And that's what, how he makes a living. You know, good for him. Uh, he's trying to persuade, you know, persuade me to do the same thing he does. But, I'm not that kind of guy. We have Paulo for soccer plays, not Jeff. <laughs> Paulo's good, man. Yes. He makes the good soccer plays. I should reach out to Paulo and get all his plays every day and bet on all of them. The Yankees, okay? And I know the Yankees have been the talk of New York. I don't know why. The Mets are playing like crap, okay? <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I mean, the, me. the Mets spent over $1.3 billion in the last two seasons and their owner, who's owned the team for three years, has come out and said that it's a five-year plan and I expect to win a championship in five years. They're going on to year number four, and they don't look like they're going to win. What does that tell me about the Mets and the organization? They're an organization that's run by idiots. No offense, but they are. And as much as everybody likes Epler and likes the Mets, and, and I like the Mets. I don't hate the Mets. I'm a Yankee fan. But let's be honest. I mean, they, they're paying guys outside of their team. Why don't you pay Pete Alonso, who's your best player? <laughs> how about that? I, I mean, how about this? Stop bringing in players that are, you know, older than my grandfather as your pitchers. And all these random trades, like trading for Darren Ruff for no reason. <laughs> and paying them, uh, you know, ridiculous money. I, I mean, come on. I, I like Justin Verlander. Is he worth $45, 46000000 million a year? Come on, guys. You're, you're telling me you're going to pay Justin Verlander 46 because he was the Cy Young winner last year, and he played for the Astros that have the best young farm system in baseball. They have the best roster in baseball. Come on. 
Right, they're the pitching factory. Yeah. Of Ridiculous. The, the, that Look Western. at the youngsters they have in that pitching staff. Oh, yeah. No, they've been fantastic. <laughs> but, like, even so, like, you tri- you already signed one of them already, and now you're going to go for another one? Just uh, when Scherzer was hurt twice last year. That's me, your approach. Now, Scherzer pitched great when he was healthy last year, but still, like, that's your approach. It's risky. Let me guess. Let me guess. Is it Jeff? Yeah. Jeff, what's up? What are you complaining about now? Did you not call me up and tell me during my brunch with my nephew to, to let your, your your nephew know that the Yankees are cheaters? Did you not say that? I absolutely did probably yeah. say that. Yes. I probably did say that. <laughs> and now he tries to cover it up. No, he said it. Yeah, I probably did say that. I mean, did you see how they tried to cheat again against oh, the Red Sox? stop. It's like the rules are just suggestions to the Yankees. Clark Schmidt, known sticky stuff cheater. Now, he's not great when he doesn't use sticky stuff, so at this point he's just going to be D- uh, DFA'd from the team or whatever. Now Clark Schmidt doesn't seem to think he needs to pitch from the rubber. He was pitching from, I don't know, three, four, five inches in front of the rubber. Hmm. And I sent Errol the picture to prove it, and then he's probably going to be like, it's no big deal if you stand closer to the hitter when you throw the ball. Let me ask you a question, Jeff. How many pitchers have you seen do that? Come None. Stop. None. Come on. Zero. Really? Yeah, now you're pretending like everybody does it. No. No, I didn't say everybody. Is... I'm not saying everybody. I've said uh, there have been players that have done it before. That obviously, how many managers have come out and said that they've done that? Okay? So you think but that this is like, Mark this is Schmidt like is the only guy that's done it. But this is like the 800 thing with the Yankees. Like, why can't they just play the, by the rules? It's the same Stop guy. Golden, it's been the Stop two same guys. The manga. Pitch from the rubber. Stop using sticky stuff. I don't know. How about not beating your wife? Thanks, Domingo Ramon. Clark, you know? How about maybe not firing a gun at your wife? Thanks, Aroldis Chapman. Clark Schmidt and Aroldis Chapman. Or Clark Schmidt and David Peterson should just go into hiding somewhere in New York. <laughs> the way they pitched this year. <laughs> And it's like, and it's like you need to pass for it every time, right? But if it was against your team, this, this is the dude. I don't care. This is what I, I don't get. care. If it was another team, you lose your mind and freak out. Really? But when it's the Yankees, you give them passes. Really? When did I freak out yeah. about baseball teams? Please. The Astros. The Astros. What? What? When was that? How long ago was that, Jeff? <clears throat> I don't know, like two years ago, whatever. <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, but it also happened twice with them, too. It wasn't I mean, just 2019. I honestly, <laughs> honestly, ever since Reggie Jackson has went, gone to that team and helped out so many, it's with, for, with so many young players over there, uh, they've really transitioned. And, and Reggie Jackson's really helped that team transition into one of the elite teams in the, uh, in the MLB. So, uh, and by the way, nobody knows that, or if nobody knows baseball, Reggie Jackson went over there. He's the, uh, the I, I I think he's the GM. He's the vice president slash assistant GM, and he's he's a spokesman for the uh, Astros now. Something that and the I Yankees. Hope you, and I and I hope you did tell your nephew that the Yankees are cheaters. I hope he knows. I hope you should you should give him the truth. Uh, sorry, nephew, uh, but you root for cheating scumbags. I hope you know that. I don't think my nephew cares. <laughs> Plus, oh, is he? Jeff, do you really want to have him to teach the, him the word scumbag at that young of an age? Well, he does know what a scumbag is. Oh, okay. Well, my nephew is a pretty intelligent guy. It was a high school guy. graduation, wasn't it? No. You said you were in a Sixth grade. Bar. Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Oh, yeah, then he definitely knows what a scumbag is. <laughs> All you got to do is look at Uncle Earl. Oh, wow. Oh, oh. You know, you, you know what, Jeff? You are a pain in my ass. You're like a thorn that never gets out. You know, you, you have to use tweezers and try to yank it, but you just can't get it out of your ass. That's what you are. You're a big thorn. You're a thorn in my ass. You're welcome. Thank you. Jeff, thank you for calling.
Cheers. <laughs> Let's go to a quick break. We will get into the whole Brian Cashman Yankee thing a little bit later. When we come back, our guests for Let's Parlay, Derek Mountain and Jonathan, a.k.a. JJ, only on the Sports Lab House. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. Little G Unit. G G Unit. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, throughout the week, including the Sports Loudmouths, which airs every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Go to Apple Podcasts. If you miss any one of the shows, 1.6 million downloads. You can go there. You can download any of the shows, any of the interviews. Tonight we interviewed Keontae Scott, uh, the Auburn back that everybody thinks is going to be a top four corner in this year's uh, SEC, AK, um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but uh, he's, he's a sensational player in North Carolina, junior running back Elijah Green. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as we do this every, every single week on Wednesdays, let's parlay. Parlay. It's time for Let's Parlay. And ladies and gentlemen, it is no Chaz. It is no John. Well, there is a John here, but there is no Johnny Johns. But uh, no Paulo. Nope. We have JJ, Jonathan Jorsen, and Derek, a.k.a. the Mountaineer Mountain. What's going on, guys? How's it going? Well, we're happy to have you back. You've been gone for a while, Derek. I mean... I know, it's been a little bit. You've been a busy guy, man. You're a busy man. I mean, you have a girlfriend, uh, you know, uh, soon-to-be married man. I'm just kidding. I don't want to throw him under the bus. You know? <laughs> I don't want to throw him under the bus. What do you think, Speedy? I don't know. We, 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 His brother's married. <laughs> I'm not going to jump the gun there and uh, criticize somebody for not being married. <laughs> Derek, uh, how you been doing? I mean, obviously, uh, uh, your numbers are pretty, uh, pretty – they're getting better, obviously. Uh, you're, you, you started to fall. And and you almost hit rock bottom, but uh, you're slowly growing back. Uh, as Wes has not been on, so Wes is losing his uh, his lead. So it, it doesn't look good for him. So uh, who's in the lead right now? Uh, Jonathan Jonathan's still in the overall lead, but he's been he's been uh, having some uh, difficult weeks in a row too. He was zero and two in the two plays Chaz told me you gave him last week. So. Did I beat him? Yeah, you did. No, you did. You were three and one last week. You actually had a good week, so you're back at five hundred. And uh, Chaz was actually five and one last week at his combined place. Don't worry, I'm going to catch up to everybody, and I'm going to blow them out. You know, as I do with the NFL NFL season. When I make my picks, I'm, I'm good with it. You know, I I don't bet on it, and usually when I don't bet, and everybody bets for yeah. My once picks, you start betting on it, that'll be a I whole lose. different thing. I lose. <laughs> I am I am a terrible, terrible picker when it comes to picking games, and I bet on it. If I don't bet, I win. So, so everybody that hears me through, through the football season, I am not going to bet. You can take my picks and do whatever the hell you want with it. That's all I'm going to say, and that's all I'm going to stick it with. Let's get Derek involved, and John will come in, and I'll, I'll do some picks as well. Uh, Derek, you have your picks? I do. All right, let's go. Do you want me to go through all four? Do you want no, no, start one? off with your first one. You know, you add a lot of information, so uh, we'll go from there. I'm sure. sure Jonathan will pop in. All right, I will go to the NBA draft tomorrow. Um, mm. Mm. I'm going to go to FanDuel. It's a little bit of a longer shot. Um, 
Hopefully we get a hit. I just think it's really good value. Um, Belil Colabelli, Victor Wambanyama's teammate in France on the Metropolitan's 92. I'm going to take him to go in the top 10. Wow. Is at plus 210 or plus 210 on FanDuel. I got it earlier this week. It has just plummeted down. It continues to go down. Um, I think on DraftKings, like plus 180. I still think there's it's a decent number, but this is a guy 18 years old, six foot six, seven two wingspan. He just fits the modern NBA. Uh, very raw, a lot of upside. He could cover every position one to four, which I think just about every single team in the NBA could use. And I think he has a legitimate shot to go at any pick between picks eight and ten. Um, you have the Washington Wizards, mm-hmm. which after this week, we can see they are clearly tanking. They do <laughs> not care about winning now. A guy like Colabelli would fit in those plans. A guy that is a longer play. He's going to be a project. Um, the Jazz are at nine. The Jazz, similar to the Thunder, who are at 12. The, the process Sixers, they're just accumulating as many picks as possible. Again, they're another team. They're slow playing it. A guy like Colabelli that they could take up slowly, maybe give him reps in the G League. Uh, move them slowly makes a lot of sense for them. They need more wings, after, especially with Sexton as an as a unrestricted free agent. And at ten, you have the Dallas Mavericks, a wild card. <laughs> they are rumored to be trading down. Mm. Um, you could see a team like San Antonio maybe swoop in and get a guy like Colabelli with their other first round pick. The Thunder are twelve. Maybe they want to move up and sure up they get a guy like him. So at, at plus two ten on FanDuel right now, I think there's really really good value. Um, I would still hop on this, throw a couple bucks on it, um, and maybe maybe we'll get a hit to, to start out the draft early tomorrow. Now, obviously, I, I'm going to pick the Yankees tonight. Uh, I don't know what the score is, but I have the Yankees winning tonight. I know what they've done to Seattle all season long. They've dominated Seattle all season long. This is not the same Seattle Mariner team throughout this season, uh, last year. And when they added Castilla, everybody thought, hey, next year they're going to be a dominant force. I did not think they were. And I I thought the Rangers were going to step up and and be the team that they thought they were going to be after making all the moves that they did last offseason. But tonight, I, I really thought after winning yesterday, three to one, I thought that the Yankees were going to, to win tonight. I think they could sweep Seattle this week. I'm even I could even bet that. But I I think that the Yankees. I, what's the score right now? Find out. I, I think the Yankees. Uh, I have the Yankees winning on the money line tonight. I I think they four to one. Oh, so the Yankees. What what's the inning right now? Yeah, top ninth. So, so it's ninth inning. Yep. So I have the Yankees winning on the money line tonight. Um, I, I just think that right now, after getting swept by Boston and, and, and really playing as bad as, as a team could play uh, offensively, I think Brian Cashman speaking up and saying what he said and believes that this offense will find a way to pick up the pace, I think they will. I, I, I could see them going on 9-2 uh, and two or something like that or 8-2 and two in the next couple of games. I think the Yankees will start picking up their games and start playing back to, uh, you know, over 10, over 12 wins, over 500. So I, I think that's where the Yankees are going to be. So give me the Yankees on the money line. All righty. I will go to baseball tomorrow. Um, this is an afternoon game. I am going to go to the Diamondbacks Nationals. First five. Uh, it's not The line is not necessarily posted yet. The run total for this game is nine and a half. I'm going to go the first five. I'm going to assume it's going to be five runs with money juice to the over, which yeah. I will gladly – uh, take the juice there. 
Um, assuming that it's five, even five and a half, I I'm happy taking this over. Um, I think it's a, a sweet matchup for both offenses here. The starters are going to be Jake Irvin for the Washington Nationals and Tommy Henry for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, both teams get their better split. So Arizona is fourth in the MLB in OPS against right-handed pitching. They've absolutely mashed right-handers. They have uh, a myriad of really good left-handed bats that have kind of breaking out this year, um, and they still lead the NL West. They, uh, Jake Irvin, in his eight starts, in three of them, he has given up five earned runs in the first five innings or more. Um, so... The Diamondbacks cover this by themselves, but on the other side, the Nationals are sneaky, really, really good against left-handed pitching. Um, they don't necessarily hit the long ball, but they put the ball in play. I think they're dead last in the league in strikeout rate against left-handed pitching, which we love to see. Tommy Henry is the guy that's given up five earned runs or more in two of his last three starts. He played Washington two weeks ago and gave up five earned runs in, I think, three and a third inning. So um, they're familiar with Henry. You kind of worry about these cross-divisional matchups with uh, these guys that haven't seen a pitcher, but these guys have seen him before. So um, I love this spot for both of these offenses early. San Diego, San Francisco tomorrow. San Francisco is one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. And right now they are the underdog going in uh, and obviously going home and playing San Diego. Blake Snell versus Alex Wood. I think San Francisco wins this on a money line. If you want to bet on the over, you can bet them on the over. It's eight and a half. Uh, you can go either bet, but I, I absolutely believe as they're the underdog going into uh, San Francisco against a Padre team that's playing good too. Uh, but the Giants are hitting the ball. They're playing defense. They're getting the pitching that they need. I, and and by the way, I think in the last, I'm looking at the games right now. Since the Rockies game where they won 10-4, they they beat the Rockies five four. They beat the they beat the Rockies six four. Then they then they lost against the Cubs twice. And then they beat the Cubs thirteen to three. They beat the Cardinals four to three. They beat the Cardinals eleven to three. They beat the Cardinals eight to five. They beat the Dodgers 75, 7 to five. They beat the Dodgers fifteen nothing seven to three against the Dodgers. They swept the Dodgers. I mean, and then they uh, they beat the Padres yesterday, and uh, they beat the Padres yesterday and the other day before that. I I think. They're. I. I think they could sweep this series, and I. I think the Giants win. I think the Giants win Thursday. Uh, Blake Snell and Alex Wood on Thursday at three forty-five. Give me the Giants on the money line. All right, I'm gonna stick with baseball. Uh, I'm gonna go to Cleveland, Oakland. This is a kind of hold your nose breath. It, it, it's just. It, it's a gross bet. Two horrible offenses. Oakland is the worst team in baseball by far. Um, Cleveland has been one of the more disappointing teams in baseball. I'm going to go with the under at eight. Uh, the first game was five total runs tonight. It's six to four right now, Oakland. Um, but you catch both of these teams in the worst in their worst split. They're both bottom five offenses against left-handed pitching. Um, on the mound for Cleveland is Logan Allen, who is their top prospect. Um, highly touted guy. He has a lot of juice. Um, really high-level fastball already. He's seen a lot of success. He's been he's been roughed up his last two starts, but he's also faced off against San Diego and Houston. Two of the best lineups in baseball, especially against left-handed pitching. Um, so I think there's a perfect get-right spot for a guy like Allen to go from those two offenses to play someone like Oakland. Um, on the other side, you got J.P. Sears, who um, he's been getting it together. Um, him and Blackburn, Paul Blackburn, back from injury, have 
have quietly held down the fort as Oakland started to turn it around a little bit for them. They're still a future team, but um, a Cleveland team, dead last in baseball and home runs. They are bottom four in OPS against left-handed pitching. Um, I just think this is a perfect spot for for another 3-2 kind of game, 4-3 kind of game for, for us to win this bet. Cleveland's bullpen is lights out. Second in ERA, first in whip. Oakland's bullpen has been brutal this year. I, I don't love that part about this bet, but Cleveland's offense has just been a mess. Everyone outside Jose Ramirez has been a mess on the, in that lineup. So this is one I'm just going to trust trust the season long numbers here. I'm going to go with the under eight. Interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. All right. Well, the Pirates were playing pretty good baseball. They really were. And then they kind of fallen off. And and the hottest team right now, one of the hottest teams in baseball, is the Marlins. Miami Marlins. They're, they're hitting the ball. They're they're getting the pitching. Their their bullpen, I, I think, is amongst the top ten in baseball right now. They're doing everything right, and they're playing good defense. And the transition, Derek Jeter. Everybody attacked Derek Jeter with some of these players that they added, and they traded away superstar players, MVPs. And and look at what this team's transitioning. All these players that Derek Jeter brought in, everybody said, "You're out of your damn mind." They're starting to develop. They really are. But this Marlins team is for real. I think they're in a division that's going to be very hard to compete, the way Philadelphia is playing, the way Atlanta's playing. But the Marlins could be a borderline playoff team this year. The National League is not dominant. As a matter of fact, I think it's very weak. Oh, yeah. It's only Dodgers, Braves, and maybe the Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah. It's really been crap. And I think the Marlins could really stand out this year. And they can make the playoffs. So, I... I Obviously, Braxton Garrett on the mound. He's he's played he's pitched pretty well this year against Mitch Keller, who has been back and forth all season long so far. Early this season, uh, Mitch Keller, who a lot of people thought was going to have a pretty good season uh, with the Pirates and was going to be a trade chip throughout uh, you know the trade deadline. I don't know if he's going to be a trade chip, and if he is, he'll probably go to the Yankees because the Yankees <laughs> love to trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates. See, Mitch Keller was having a good season until Derek put a bet on the over or the <laughs> under in that game <laughs> That's right. with Mitch Keller. Maybe it was Derek that made Mitch Keller's season just fall apart. I think I did. I think I did. I <laughs> just, I did. Like the, just like the Jets. <laughs> hey, watch. He'll go to the Yankees. He'll be a pretty good pitcher for the Yankees. <laughs> uh, give me the Marlins tomorrow at 640. Braxton Garrett pitches gem, pitches seven innings, seven and a half innings, gives up one run. I, I, I that right now the over is seven and a half. It's not coming close to the over. But give me on the money line the Marlins winning tomorrow. John, give us your your top three. We got ten minutes. He's gonna give me the Giants team total over three and a half. A little bit juicier side. However, they've scored four runs in nine straight games. They've also scored. Uh, uh, the Padres have also allowed four runs in ten of the thirteen games started by you, Darvish. Uh, three of his last. Four stars. He's allowed six, four, and seven. They just are. The Giants are one of the hottest teams in baseball right now as well. You couple them with the Reds, the Marlins, a couple teams that are doing really well. I think four runs is very attainable. Winds blowing out apparently as well in San Francisco. Maybe get a couple splash hits. Uh, they also have a lot of guys that have done well. Four seventeen, three of ten, four of thirteen amongst their lineup against you, Darvish. Every guy that. Face him except for one and hit a home run off the garbage. So I think they're going to score. Absolutely get to score uh, at least four tonight. And then I'm not just going to, I'm going to kind of, um, uh, it's going to be their team total over. Yeah. Tomorrow for play two, I'm taking the Giants with Alex Wood on the hill yeah, uh, against the Padres. I think, I think the Padres are, I'm going to continue to say this, they're one of the biggest disappointments for the team that they put together with Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto, the trades they made, Manny Machado, the contracts are paying. They're not performing. 
Giants are just, are they for real? I don't know, but I, I can't fade them right now. Uh, minus 102 is what I'm seeing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can get plus even money depending on where you're at. Um, I think I, I think I got minus 102. They're the dogs I, I tomorrow. Plus They're plus 100. They're on the money line. Yeah, I, I got I got plus 105 tomorrow. That's what I'm at. Plus 105 tomorrow with Alex Wood. I just think they're the better team. They're the hotter team. So I think tonight, give me some runs here by the Giants. Tomorrow, give me a win by, uh, by the Giants. Uh, and that would be my, my two plays. And then for play number three, we're actually going to uh, go to New York to take the Mariners. You know, I, it's really hard to, to, to fathom how much offensively one player means to a team. It's really weird. I just think the Yankees aren't that good. I, I'm just going to say that. Even, okay, with Judge, they can be better. I think as a whole, to take a guy off the team and they can't score more than three runs in the game, they're just not a good team. That's just simple. And I think that you're going to have, you're still not going to have Aaron Judge tomorrow. Jermon's not going to be a guy that I really like to, to back. I would, I think that uh, Brian Wu coming off that, not, that gnarly performance a couple, uh, couple games ago, getting plus money, plus 110. I just I just can't trust a Yankee offense. The only bad thing about taking uh, fading the Yankees is that they're bullpen. If they get up, they do have a really good bullpen. Um, but tomorrow night, I'll, I'll take the Mariners plus 110. Those are my, my three plays. Oh. I'll get my last one. All right. So he's got three plays. Hey, listen, some of the plays were mine, but uh, I just listen. Right now, the Yankees aren't hitting, and and, and I know that. And I I don't know about they're not a good team. If you have the number one bullpen in baseball, and and you don't even have your best pitcher right now, he hasn't pitched all season long. Uh, in Rodon, when if he does play this year, which uh, everybody everything that we've heard, he is going to. He'll probably be back at the end of June. Uh, and he'll actually play at the end of June. I mean, the Yankees could go on a, a spurt. I told that to Jeff. Jeff calls up. <laughs> of course. You know, he wants to take it. But listen, the Yankees are going to win 95, 96 games this year, no matter what. So they're they're going to make the playoffs. Are they going to win? You you make faces. Are the Yankees a playoff team right now? If the playoffs were Yeah, they're a second wild card spot. They, they are a playoff team. And the Yankees are already playing well. So... Just think, the Yankees are going to get back this. They're going to get players back. The Yankees have the most injuries in the American League so far this season. They have, what, 17 injuries? And they have 14 guys out. Six guys in their bullpen is out. So, And their bullpen's number one in baseball. So to sit here and say, hey, the Yankees aren't any good, I, I think that's crazy. When uh, Tonight, if they win, they're 41-33. and 33, And they're not even, their roster's one of the worst. Offense in the last two weeks is one of the worst in baseball. And they're still winning. So I, I don't but know. Their offense isn't isn't changing though. Their offense is going to change. It will change when you no. add you add bats to that lineup. One bat. That's like I think I honestly think like because if you look at their lineup, they're they're really they're they're hurting pitching. They're starting they got starting pitching on the IL. They got some they got some bullpen guys in the IL. Look at their hitting their their actual lineup. They got one guy, mm-hmm. Aaron Judge. I think that's an anomaly with how bad their offense is without him to when he or compared to when he is playing. I just think that the rest of their offense isn't that good. Speedy, People what's are, their offense like? I, I, I saw I saw Yankee Twitter talking about Volpe's got ten home runs on the year. Yeah, at the Mickey Mouse Yankee Stadium, guys can hit home runs there. He's still batting under two hundred. I don't think they're a really good. He's twenty one years old. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I get that, but. Okay, he's a 21-year-old. He's a shortstop has 10 home runs. And I get it, but is he going to is he going to do that 21 years old when it matters? What was that? Let's All right. All right. I'm sorry to cut you off. Mm-hmm. 
Look, I think the Yankees are overrated. I think that people are... Well, you are a Baltimore fan. You're going to get Carlos Rodon back. He is going to be back. However, however, after a 60-day IL stint, you don't really know what you're going to get. You have a lot of open guys that are going to come back, too. You still don't know how what you're going to get. I, I think there's a lot of unknowns, and so if I have so many unknowns, I'm not putting my stock on the, the Yankees being that good. Do they make the playoffs? Probably. They probably get in, sneak in the wild card. I do think that. I just don't know if they're going to if they're going to actually be a real contender when it comes down to to October. And don't get me wrong, I'm an Orioles fan. I don't think the Orioles are going to be a real contender when it gets to October either. Just put I'm put that out there. I I think the real contender is going to be definitely the Rays in that division. But I think I think the Yankees, even the Orioles, are a bit playing above themselves right now. So they're 24th in team batting average. They are fifth in home runs, mm-hmm. and on base percentage they are 28th. Mm-hmm. Which is definitely not ideal, and 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 it's still early in the season, and it hasn't, it really hasn't been warm. It's it's cold, it's windy out. Uh, it, actually, it's been colder right now in the month of June than it has been in the last three years or four years in New York. It's been really windy and really cold right now. It, right now in in the wind, in the summertime, at being that it's mid June, almost July, right now at sixty one or sixty two degrees outside. That's not warm weather. When it gets warmer, the ball starts to travel. So I expect the Yankees to be a lot better, and I and I I, I disagree. Now I'm not saying that because I'm a Yankee fan. I just I cannot see the Yankees not winning 96 games this year with the roster that they have. So uh, I disagree with you. And and when you mentioned Volpe, go look at Derek Jeter's numbers this rookie season. So I'm just preaching it out there, you know. It, it, and I'm not saying he's and Derek I'm Jeter. Saying, I'm not saying they're. I'm not saying they're terrible. I think they're a bit overrated. I really do. I think I think that when you look at when you look at you know their home home runs are great, but I look at can they get on base? Are they hitting the ball well? And I don't see them. I don't see them. I don't see them doing that. I just think you know the, I don't see that happen. I don't see their offense being even with Judge back because apparently gives you 1.3 extra runs a game, which is to me crazy. Right, I just don't see the rest of the team being able to pick it up because Judge is back. Will it give you a probably extra home runs for sure? I just don't see. I think the pitching is great, but I think you're gonna you're also relying on your starting pitcher Carlos Rodon. He is gonna be back. Hmm. That's the expectation. You you don't know what you're gonna get from him. I think you're you're unknown, you're unsure what you can get from your bullpen guys when they do come back. And, you, and how much are you gonna mess with that rotation? You have the best bullpen in the league right now, but you're you're forced to. You have guys that are coming back that where you're studs in the bullpen. So you're going to have to mix and match. Sometimes that recipe might not be there. Mm. Well, I, I, that's where I'm at. I think if you're getting Rodon back into this roster with that pitching, uh, I listen, you don't have to have to be the best scoring team. As a matter of fact, if you look at what Kansas City did when they won the World Series against the Mets and when they went that run, they were known for their defense and base stealing. And what have the Yankees been doing all season long? Their defense and their base stealing. That's what they're doing. So, and, and they're pitching. And that, what were the, the Kansas City uh, the Kansas City Royals doing? They were pitching too. Their bullpen was the best in baseball, and their pitching staff was one of the top. With uh, uh, what's his name again? Um, Lorenzo Cain, yeah. And the other, no, the other pitcher. What was the pitcher? Oh, the, oh, the pitchers. Um, yeah, it was Greg Holland. It was Wade Davis. No, and... the starting pitcher. Um, Cueto. Cueto. Johnny Cueto. That's yeah, right. Johnny Cueto. Yeah. Johnny Cueto was, and I, I think you bring Rodon in, a left-hander with. With a guy like Garrett Cole. I, I don't think the Yankees are not a playoff team. I don't know what they're going to do, and you don't know what's going to happen. But, Derek, what is your fourth pick? Um, I'm going to go to golf. I'm going to go to the Travelers hmm. Championship. 
the week off the U.S. Open. Uh, always a fun tournament, and not too many guys are withdrawing, so it's going to be a loaded field. Uh, another long shot play for me here, but um, I really like the value here. I think it was a misprice on Barstool because the prices on FanDuel, MGM, Caesars are much, much different. But Justin Sue to finish in the top 40 at plus 225. Um, FanDuel to plus 135. DraftKings plus 130. MGM plus 160. So this line just seems off to me, but I'm going to take advantage of this one. Um, this is why, especially in golf, you got to price shop, look around at, at books because they could be very different prices, especially with these finishing position props. But uh, this is a guy I've had my eye on this, this entire PGA season. He's a young golfer, doesn't really hit the long ball, but his approach game and his putter are really, really good. Um, he was kind of a highly touted guy out of UCLA, um, and I think he was battling injuries. And this is his first full season on the tour. Um, and he's produced. Uh, he was 27th in the U.S. Open last week, uh, 41st in the Memorial Tournament, 16th at Charles Schwab, uh, 26th in the PGA Championship. So he's had pretty decent results. I think he was in like 12th place going into Sunday last week. And it wasn't a course that really fit his strengths. It's a long course with wide fairways last week. Uh, this week at the Travelers Championship, much shorter course, only two par fives. Um, iron play and uh, short game and how you play with your putter is at a premium um, and he's already doing it at a high level if I, I don't know if this price is still up at Barstool but if you're getting anything near plus 200 I think this is just an easy smash um, in the top 40 and three of his last four tournaments the other one being 41st place um, I think Sue just has a really high floor with his style of play so I, I really like this bet Mr. Johnny Boy, what do you have for your fourth pick? Uh, I'm going to go square. I'm going to kind of say it easy here. We're going to take uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays at minus 1.5 tomorrow. They're playing. Quios uh, is going to start for the Royals. Shane McClanahan will start uh, for, for the Rays. They're a team that, look, they can hit a lot of home runs. They can hit pretty much anybody. They're going to be at home. They're going to be facing the second-worst bullpen. If it wasn't for the A's, the Royals would have the worst bullpen in the league. Uh, their starters really don't go deep, four or five innings. Maybe you get a guy pitching into the six. They usually get in trouble, minus 1.5, one of the best offenses in the league. They were, at one point, the, the home run leaders. They've got, I think, their second place now. Um, but I still think they can get a lot of runs on this Royals team. They're at home. They just had a good win against Baltimore in a series that they split. And I think that they can just basically, the Rays are going to do what, the, what good teams do, which is beat up on the bad teams, right, and compete against the good teams. So, minus 1.5, I got minus 110. Uh, I, I use a few different books. Only one of the books has it up right now, so I'm going to I'm gonna take, uh, take a stab at it before anything moves or changes. And so I'll take the minus 1.5, minus 110, uh, Tampa Bay Rays versus the Kansas City Royals tomorrow. My final pick is a little offset over here. Saturday at 6 a.m. if you want to, if you're up, uh, Joshua Franco versus Kazuto Ioka. Um, I have a prop bet for you guys. Joshua Franco wins by decision or technical decision. It's a plus 135. I bet on that. I think Joshua will win. I think he will win by decision. So give me Joshua Franco over Kazuto Ioka on Saturday morning. So there you go. That's a prop bet for you guys. It's four picks. And I believe three out of four for me. I, I, I think I'm. Uh, that's where I'm going to land. How about you, Johnny Boy? Where do you got? What do you got? 
Derek needs to catch up, so he needs to go all. He needs to go four for four, baby. Wait, what, yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I get three. I get three. I think uh, I think three is a good number for me. I'm not, you know, I'd, I'd love to go four, but you know, realistic. Yeah, be realistic. Here. I'm sports betting is is a yes. A, I'm going to predict goal. Derek beats us both this week. <laughs> Just with this French kid to go top 10. Huh? That's what I'm predicting. I, I, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm going to give him the confidence here that he is going to beat us this week. Uh, that's just my opinion here. If I hit one of the Kolobali or the Subats, I'll be happy. Those are both over plus 200. I'll be I'll be happy if one of those hit. And we got the two baseball ones, and we'll see what those. But. Yeah, so I have a question about that. Because you said, are, are we doing this based off, like, records? Or are we doing this based off, because, like, I'm taking sometimes I'm taking like plus 180 and stuff like that. Or are we just doing based on wins, losses, records? Speedy, what are we going to do now? I mean, if you want to figure out the percentages of what you do, to be able to judge that accordingly, I don't know how to do all that stuff. Yeah, that's you. That's your guys and Chaz's forte. So I'm just just doing overall yeah. record. So because, if you guys want to figure that out for us, that's uh, that, that would be I would be fine with that. I'm not against going against that type of scoring. I just don't know how to do it the sports it's, betting it's just, way. You, with you'd have to start new. Yeah, we we could do that. We could do that. Like maybe we'll we'll stop this after like the end of the month or something, and then we'll, hmm. we could do it in your system too. You, we just we need we would need Chaz to figure that out how that would work. The, the only reason I ask is because what happened? Like so, I had like the other night I went I went one and two, and I actually profited. Okay. Because I my, my big dog was my big my win was a big dog. I took three dogs. One of them was a huge dog. I profited, but I've also gone two and two and made more money than when I go three and one. So like sometimes like the odds do matter because three, if I go three and one, but I might minus 200, minus 200, minus 200 and minus 200 and I go two and two and I'm at plus 180 plus 170. It just, it, it, I could actually make more money than going three and one. So all right. Just, that's why I was wondering how we're doing it. No, that's, that's fine. Yeah, if you and Chaz and like all the other handicappers could figure that kind of thing out, we could do it that way. Maybe starting in August or July or something like that. We could we could try doing it that way. I'm not okay. against yeah, doing like that, John. If that's if that if that's you think it's a better system to judge that kind of thing, it's, right. I'm not against. That. And by the way, I just want everybody keeps saying I'm blaming the weather on why the Yankees are losing. Go look at Giancarlo's numbers when the weather is over 78 degrees. Go look at his numbers. I'm not lying. You want to look at statistics? It's warmer weather, warmer weather, higher elevation. Mm-hmm. Think about why why the runs get scored in Colorado. The, the ball tends to go further. But can I get a concession here that Yankee Stadium's a pretty yeah? It's a band box. It's a band box. But here's the thing. Here's the fit. Here's the thing. And I know everybody says yes. It, you can hit for power over there in Yankee Stadium. Uh, it, the porch is you know it, it's short, especially in right field. There's no question that it is, but it, it, it's not as easy as it looks when you're when you're seeing when you're sitting out there in the field. If you're not hitting for power, it's very hard to hit because there's not many places you could drop the ball. So it's very hard to hit for percentages, and that's probably why Volpe this year as a rookie is is batting 197, 198. Uh, he he, I think the kid's going to be special. Now uh, we haven't seen a player stay up this long. Uh, at his age since Derek Jeter. We'll have to see what the Yankees do with him, but the Yankees believe in him, and I think he'll figure it out. I, I really do. It's a lot of pressure cool. on you when you compare to somebody. Well, at this point, they're not setting him down. They're letting him figure no, it out. No, they're going to. He has to really, he has to really, really struggle for them to be like, you're going to go back down. At this point, he is he is a Yankee, and unless he's come maybe doing a rehab start for injury, he is not going to be sent down. I think they are 
batting at 195, 197, they're basically saying, we know you're going to get out of this. You're fine. You're a Yankee. I think I think he's going to be good. I'm just saying, like, you know. No, and I, I, he's not he's not playing well. I mean, if you, you, you if he, if you're saying he's standing out, I, I mean, when you have 15 stolen bases, okay, and you're hit you hit almost 10 home runs, I mean, yeah, your 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 batting average isn't good, but what is an average short? Uh, Lindor's making 300 million dollars. What is he hitting? 215, 220. I mean, come on. No, it's man. been a bad year for a lot of shortstops. Trey Turner too is not hitting. Well I either. mean, I don't. Yeah. You don't expect these guys to hit for average, especially as a rookie. So I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you what I see. But I think the Yankees are going to go after that Pirates outfielder, um, Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds. I think at the trade deadline, one way or another, the Yankees are going to get Brian Reynolds. I I really do believe it. So it, it just they couldn't make a deal at the obviously. Uh, in the offseason, I think they're showing him off, and at the trade deadline, he will go to the Yankees. I yeah, think. they're now five games under five hundred, and Cincinnati and the Cubs are both on hot streaks right be, now. He will be a Yankee. I'm, I'm, you mark my words. You can sell it. If you want to make a prop bet or you want to make a bet right now, however way you can do it on on that, bet that Brian Reynolds will be at the trade deadline on New York Yankees. Sign it. Seal it. He will be. See, that futures bet will still happen before Derek's. <laughs> It's not looking good for that one either. The Cardinals went to the NL Central. <laughs> no, but Relax the, over there, Speedy. <laughs> I like the Cardinals too, and I, I I think the Cardinals are going to be better in the second. They're a second half team, and their their roster's too good to I mean, be as this bad. That division's awful. They, yeah. they, they've been terrible, but they're they're probably out of it because they're a bad team. Like they don't have pitching, but like seven games out, you can't tell me the Cardinals can't make up against the Pirates and the mm. Cubs. And I know the Reds are red hot right now, but what, they beat the Rockies and yep. being up on bad teams. Good for them. Very exciting team. I don't know if the Reds are going to win 80 games when, when it's all, all is said and done. Um, <laughs> like 82 wins might win that division. I mean, it's a horrible division. And my prediction to come out of the National League this year, the way they're playing, Diamondbacks. I think the Diamondbacks are the best team in the National League. I do. I, no, I think that I do. No. I do. I know what you're going to say, the Braves. I know it's you're going to say the Braves. It's the Braves. The Diamondbacks are a good team. Oh, they're I good. actually had their team, their, their team, team total over 76. I love them to win over, you know, over 76 and a half games. That was my best team total for sure. But the Braves are the best team in baseball right now. I think the Braves, maybe the Rays, but I think, I'm, I think the Braves are the best team in baseball right now. They got hitting, they got pitching, they got both. They got everything you can have. They got everything. They hit home yeah. runs. Oh, I like the I like the Michael, I, I like Michael the Harris is starting to hit. Like, mm-hmm. I'm telling know, you, top of the that top of the lineup is ridiculous. Uh, I don't know. Shriner's not even pitching that well. Shriner's not even pitched that well this year. Like, wait till he gets going. Here's another bet. Here's another bet for you guys. By the end of the season, the Diamondbacks will have the best record in the National League. Okay, you could take that to the bank too. So, oh man, you can no, you can no you can you can lick an ice cream cone as long as you division. want. <laughs> Dodgers Dodger should Dodgers should win that division. They're I not. Don't. They're not going to win the division. Best record in the NL. NL. Remember, I said that. And now you laugh and you I, giggle when it happens. I'm going to say, listen, yeah. Johnny. Remember I'll, when you laughed at me? <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you props. You'll give me props. Look, okay. I think, yeah. I think. I think they're a good team. I do. I just don't know if they're going to. I love. It. It's, a, it's a long year. I love um, their outfield. I, yeah, they're a young team. Yeah, they're going to hit a wall at some. Yeah. point. it's going to happen. It's like they it's like the pitching. Orioles. Like at some point, like it's gonna you're going to lose these close games, and that's kind of when you find out what kind of team they're like. So, and that's a good so, division. So the last year, really good. 
So last year I was high on the I was high on the Phillies. I remember the Phillies were struggling a lot last year, and I was really high. I was telling everybody that listen, Phillies are gonna be okay. They're gonna be all right. They're gonna make the world. I, I was telling everybody that would listen, the Phillies are gonna be okay. And I remember at the beginning of the year they were just down. They weren't winning games. They, they go through managerial change, and then going into the playoffs, I said, and I did have them. I said they're gonna win the World Series. Mm. And people were like, they're barely made the playoffs. Well, they got there. They did. They did fall short. I see the Cardinals a lot like that Phillies team. I was high on the Cardinals coming into this season, like really high. And then they just, I was betting them heavy too at the beginning. They were just losing and losing and losing. I was like, I'm going to start betting them. They're going to come in. Swing streak. I think they're going to be okay. Remember this, when the Nationals won the World Series that one year too, they were almost oh, yeah. sellers at the deadline. Oh, yeah. And they were able, I think it's so early. It's so early. Look, I, I'm a, Orioles. I think the Orioles are going to regress. I do think they're going to regress. Their analytics are going to show me they're probably going to start losing some of these games that they're winning. Teams that are doing great are going to start going down. Teams that are doing bad are going to start. It's going to start evening out throughout the year. I think the Cardinals are going to be fine. I think the Diamondbacks are going to be fine. I don't know if they're going to have the, the juice in the tank to be the number one record yeah. in the National League. I do like the, uh, the, the balls. I like the balls on you, man. Uh, our resident uh, Cubs fan, Carl, says uh, it's been cold in St. Louis. <laughs> Boys, thank you. We'll talk to you. Always a pleasure. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the Diamondbacks will have the best record in the National League by the end All of the right. season. You can take it. You can sign it up and deliver it. And when that happens, I'm going to tell you I told you so. And, and and if you want to be a betting man, I would bet on it. So it's just I. Hey, listen, I've made some bold predictions, and I was right on them. So I'm gonna go bold, bold, and I'm going to be right. Carl says the Cardinals need to go 51 and 36 to get to 82 wins. Brian Cashman commi- commented about the Yankees' struggles with without Aaron Judge that he still believes in the Yankees' lineup. Uh, am I happy with their approach? I'm happy with their commitment. I'm happy with their care. Since Judge got hurt, the Yankees have a 195 team batting average, a 599 team OPS, and just 39 runs scored in 12 games. The Yankees have three players in the starting lineup pitting only 200 or under 200. The Yankees are 4 and 8 in 12 games without Judge. Cashman says they will stay aggressive at the trade deadline. <clears throat> Mr. Reynolds, but are not looking to replace Judge's production. The Yankees are currently in the second wild card spot, one percentage point ahead of the Angels, having played two less games. Let me tell you something about the Angels. They probably have the MVP, the league MVP, Otani. He is playing fantastic baseball. He is hitting the hell out of the ball. He's pitching. He's, he's probably and now he's league in home runs. <laughs> he's probably the best uh, pitch, one of the top three pitchers in baseball right now. And he's he's having those season, that season where he deserves it. He really does. And if he continues on what he's doing, he's going to win the MVP for a second time in three years. Okay? He is, he is the next superstar player. I, I don't think he's the face of baseball. Okay? I know everybody keeps saying that. I don't. I think he's the best player right now, but I don't think he's the face. I don't think they want Otani to be the face of baseball. That's just my opinion here. But uh, he's a sensational player. He's the best player in baseball right now. And I... I think when 
when you look at his ability and what he could do as a pitcher and a hitter, uh, and he's doing what he's doing right now, he's unbelievable. It's amazing. As far as the Yankees are concerned, I, I don't think Brian Cashman is happy with this lineup. I don't care what he says. I think he's committed to way, the way the team is right now because he has nothing. He can't do anything else. I do believe he's going to be very aggressive. I do. I, I think he will add you know bats to this lineup. I think they're going to obviously promote one of these youngsters in Dominguez very soon, see what he has, because uh, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. But right now, if you look at the Yankees, they're, they're playing terribly offensively. But again, just because you're not hitting doesn't mean you can't win. And the Yankees have proven this before. Maybe not now, but when Girardi was the manager of the Yankee team at the tail end of those Derek Jeter teams and Alex Rodriguez teams, they were winning strictly on defense and pitching. And what are the Yankees are doing right now? Defense and pitching. Their infield, I think, is I think their defense is ranked in the top ten right now. And their infield is one of the better defensive infields in baseball right now. So you sit here and and you, I know everybody's saying, well, this team offensively looks like crap because they do. But there are things that you have to look at this team, and you can't you 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 like to compare and contrast what this offense is doing with or with our Aaron Judge. The Yankees have been a power hitting team forever. They're what fifth in home runs in the league. I expect this offense to be better. I expect this offense to get better when it gets warmer. I just I I, I can't see the Yankees not making the playoffs. They're too good. Yeah, they'll make the playoffs. Now, there is something that is concerning with this Yankees offense. It's even different than other years, too, because the Yankees have always had power, and the other thing they've always had is on-base percentage, but they don't even have the on-base percentage, even when Judge was healthy, too. He was getting on-base greatly. Rizzo was doing well for a stretch, but not a lot of these other guys are getting on-base. They have a team on-base percentage right on the brink of 300. Like, that's not exactly ideal, and like we were saying before, the batting average is 24th. They have three guys under 200 in the lineup, too, um, and it's just not an ideal circumstance. Like, And that's something that you want to get more contact hitters in the lineup, obviously. We knew the Yankees had to do that at the trade deadline anyway, but they may even get to get some just guys that walk a lot, too, because they're not getting a lot of that either right now. It's interesting, and I I think I know know a lot of Yankee haters are going to say the Yankees are cheaters, whatever, okay? Honestly, I just see where the Yankees are right now. They're not a good team, but I don't think they're a bad team, and... If you're mediocre right now and you're staying afloat in the hardest division in baseball, it only tells you how good your team really is. And I, I expect the Yankees to win 95, 96 games. And if they win 95, six, 95 to 96 games, they should make the playoffs. And they're going to make the playoffs. So sit on it and rotate on it because that's that's the bet right there. NFL news, Tyreek Hill is under investigations of assault and battery at a marina with a marina employee, according to Miami police. The police report and mention a disagreement between Hill and an employee and that Hill slapped him on the back of the head. I thought it was a girl, by the way, but it, it is a guy. I thought it was a girl. The employee did not press charges yet for the incident at the time, but police have been present there at the last three day, for the last three days. Drew Rosenhaus, 
Uh, Hill's agent tweeted video of him and Hill fishing together. Hill had previously or has a previous incident in 2014 where he pleaded guilty in punching or choking his 20-year-old pregnant girlfriend while in college. Hill also was investigated for child abuse as well in 2019, but there were no criminal charges against him of those allegations. So, listen, Hill is not a nice guy. Okay, we we all know what he is on the field, and that's why when Quentin Williams ripped the ball out of his hands when they played Miami last year, you saw the the laugh and the the incident. Everybody was mocking it all over social media because they don't like Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was the best wide receiver in football last year, and you can't argue he was. His numbers would show you that he was sixteen hundred yards. He had his best season as a as a wide receiver. It just when it came down to the big game, it came down where he needed to produce. He didn't. And Tyreek Hill doesn't have Mahomes throwing in the ball. He doesn't have any elite quarterback. Tua is a good quarterback, but he's not an elite quarterback. So I'm interested to see what this team is. I understand, I, I'm interested to see how this, this, this situation, this assault, you know, obviously hits the head. I believe that Tyreek will pay him off and it will go away. So... Uh, this Tyreek Hill story will disappear very, very soon because it's all about the money and the Benjamins, and I don't see Tyreek Hill getting in trouble for this. Just like the 2019, the child abuse got brushed under the rug. Right, and also, again, you, the, the NFL approach that we've seen with these a lot of these other incidents, too, have been repeat offender-type things, too. The first one was in college when he was at UAB, and then the last one, obviously, there were no criminal charges for that kind of thing, so they uh, there were no charges brought against him. He wasn't suspended that year like we thought at the beginning of the year, and yeah, he might get something if this guy does press charges this marina employee too but he did he'll press so. charges and he, i don't think he will press charges because he'll be paid off yeah that, that's what it seems like is going to happen which means in that case it's going to end up looking like a more of a minor incident too i don't it's going to be it's, nothing it's yeah, going to be waived it's not even going to be a minor incident it's going to it's going to be completely thrown under the rug it's not even going to exist it's all about money man it's all about the benjamins and that's what he's going to do he will pay him off do i believe he hit him yes do i believe he started something probably the guy thinks he's better than everybody else. The guy thinks he's, he's God's gift to the world. Uh, he, he's on the field with these youngsters that are trying to outrun him, outrace him. He, he thinks he's the world's fastest guy. He thinks he could beat uh, Hussein Bolt Hussein in a Bolt, race, yeah. which is a ridiculous <laughs> statement. He barely beat uh, a 45-year-old T- Terrell Owens, okay, who ran a 4-5 at the age of 46, 47 years old. Okay, I, it's it's tiring listening to this guy. And how many good years does he have left? He already said he's only playing for another two years. Yeah, and those will, those will be his peak years, and he's going to stay that way. But you're right, he is a cocky player too. Now, some of that was instigated by other players. And the guy the was Patriots a sixth fans. round draft pick, right? He was also always supposed to be a special teams guy at the time when they drafted him, and he turned into be a nice receiver. Because remember, remember the the Chiefs before they drafted him had yeah. that wide receiver drought where they had like twenty something consecutive games without catching a touchdown from a wide receiver. It, it was, was insane, and obviously that's got sparked with Tyreek Hill. Multiple reports say that Stefan Diggs absent from the Bills came due to frustration of his role in the offense. Ken Dorsey was the offensive coordinator for the Bills last season after Brian Dable became the Giants head coach. Diggs had 154 total targets in the regular season, but third highest total in his career. Diggs had nine targets in the Bills' playoff game against the Dolphins and ten targets in their playoff game versus the Bengals. I don't know what he thinks he needs and how many. Ten targets is a lot. Mm -hmm. Diggs had 11 targets for 149 yards 
in the two playoff games combined. Diggs has been a pro bowler in all three seasons with Buffalo and an all-pro player in two of the three seasons. This is the same guy, guys, that practically pushed his way out of Minnesota because he wasn't seeing the ball. He is a cocky kid, okay? These these prima donna wide receivers don't work. And, and, and you're going to hear stories if he doesn't come – if he doesn't start the season off hot – He's going to start throwing Josh Allen under the bus because if you remember in the playoffs, he was fighting with Josh Allen on the sidelines and Josh Allen made excuses for him. There is no excuses. First of all, you are not the franchise player. You're not. The franchise player is the quarterback. And if the quarterback doesn't like you, the team is going to trade you. So if you want to stay here and you want to make your money and you want to try to win a Super Bowl, I would advise you to shut your mouth. I don't understand these guys. You become a great now. You are a decent player with Minnesota. You weren't a star, okay? You were. I. I don't. I never liked you when you came out of Minnesota. You became a superstar player when you went to Buffalo. Why? Because the offense was built around you and Josh Allen. Josh Allen forces the ball to you. Do you know why Gabe Davis's numbers went down last year? Because he was forcing the ball to you. Now, do I think Gabe Davis is a better player than you? No, but do I think Gabe Davis can do and put the numbers you put up? As a player, if he's the number one target, I think he could. I do. Because I saw what he did in the playoffs two years ago. I also saw what he did in the two seasons ago when he did get the ball. It is, to me, so disrespectful to the other players on your team. Because you want to see the ball. You're a greedy person. You're the third highest wide receiver in football. You you want everything to be your way. And you're... You're honestly as good as the quarterback is. And if you're going to throw your quarterback under the bus, as Jalen Ramsey threw Josh Allen when he came (laughs) into the league, calling him a pretty boy and saying in GQ magazine he is the worst quarterback in that class when he's become the best, shows you how stupid Jalen Ramsey's mouth was when he threw Josh Allen under the bus in GQ magazine. And that leads me to believe that this incident looks a little bit different than the Minnesota one. Because the Minnesota one was, I think, a lot more reasonable where the Vikings were still trying to be a run-first team more than they had to be with that level of talent. Because remember, they had the receiving depth, too, and they still had Kirk Cousins. Yes, the offensive line wasn't great. And yeah, they still had Dalvin Cook, who was a fantastic running back. Remember, Cook, those seasons were hurt a lot. So the, the... now, lack of targets at that time was justifiable. Not now. 150 a year is what you expect a top receiver to get. And still in those playoff games, he got 19 targets. Now, I think the play calling against the Bengals was bad. Maybe that's what he was complaining about, where maybe he was only getting shorter targets the same way. And that, maybe you can look at Ken Dorsey and say, okay, maybe they need to adjust. Maybe he does miss Brian Dable. I don't know. But I think it's a whole different other issue, maybe more with the coaching than it is with exactly Josh Allen himself. Because I do think he is getting his targets. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Bracket Wars. It's time for Bracket. 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 It's time for Bracket Wars. All right, so we're on to the second round now. Sweet 16, I guess we'll call it this way. We'll start with the 10-2 matchup in this one, the Serena Williams versus Michael Phelps. Serena Williams, arguably the greatest tennis player to ever live, not just with women, men too. Has won 23 Grand Slam titles, the most by a woman in tennis player history in the open era. 
Uh, Serena has 858 single wins, the fourth most all-time, and 73 total titles, fifth most all-time. Serena and her sister Venus also have 14 Grand Slam titles at doubles and 192 career wins. Williams was the number one player in the world for 186 consecutive weeks, tied for the most all-time. Williams is the only player to accomplish the Golden the, the golden Slam uh, winning of all four major tournaments in the same year in both singles and doubles in the same year. Um, I think Serena Williams is the greatest ten- tennis player of all time. You can argue in the top, top three, but for what she did in women's tennis and how she changed women's tennis and became the face of women's tennis, really the face of tennis yeah. and United States tennis, I would say Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player to ever play in history. Yeah, and factor in the doubles, too. That, that matters. when you, A lot of these players don't play doubles that also play singles, too, and vice versa. I know we were talking about Roger Federer a couple of weeks ago who has some titles in doubles, but Serena Williams consistently does it, did it with her sister this whole time, and now, again, her sister's gotten older, but still longevity is really strong for a tennis player too and that's very hard to do in what is a very repetitive stamina sport. Michael Phelps, the number two seed. Michael Phelps has won 28 Olympic medals in his career, 23 which were gold. Phelps has more than double the amount of gold medals of any Olympian ever. The next highest is nine. Phelps has won gold medals for four different swimming strokes And Phelps also won 34 medals in the World Championships. 27 were gold. Phelps participated in five Olympic Games and 17 years worth of World Championship events from 2000 to 2016 and was the first and youngest swimmer to win a gold medal. Um, I think Michael Phelps is the greatest Olympian ever in any sport, in any Olympics, winter summer, whatever you want to say, the most dominant. And he was the face of some the Summer Olympics, five Olympics. Yeah. He he is the face of what you want to be as an Olympian. And even the stuff off the field or off the uh, off this out of the swimming pool, smoking marijuana and stuff like that, who cares? Right. Honestly, who cares? I mean, he smokes cigarettes too. Does anybody give a crap? And also, it's not something that's going to help his like. It's not going to help his. No, stamina. it hurts his stamina. It hurts your stamina in the pool. Like, and it, 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 the fact that he was still dominant just tells you the type of athlete he was. Right, and even so, like at older age too, a lot of these swimmers can only make it for two or three Olympics, and he did five of them too, and still did it at a high level. Won a gold in 2012. Won a gold in 2016. He obviously he didn't win the same amount of races he did in the, the, the previous three, but again, he still did it in four different strokes too, which is absolutely incredible. <laughs> and like you were saying before, I almost doubled the amount of the any other Olympic. So where do you go? I'm going to go Phelps here. I think the longevity for a swimmer too, another stamina sport is just too strong. Five Olympics, and then he retires in 2018. That's like 20 years. I'm going with Serena Williams. All right. This is interesting. All right. I like it. I I like Serena Williams in this. I think she's the greatest tennis player ever. I'm talking about ever. Even guys. Mm -hmm. She dominated. She was that special, and she changed tennis. She made everybody follow tennis. Internationally, Americanly. She changed the game of tennis. She really did. When we remember Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras, when when they changed the game, when they were going back and forth, and Jimmy Connors and uh, John McEnroe, this woman changed women's tennis. Martina Navratilova, all these girls, Steffi Groff, she was the face of tennis. So that's why I think she she knocks out the number two seed, Michael Phelps. All right, the Twitter polls will decide this one. All right, the number 12 seed, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus the number four seed, 
Babe Ruth. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was 19-time All-Star, tied for the most in the NBA history, and a 15-time NBA player, 6-time NBA champion, 11-time defensive team, and 2-time scoring champion. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scored 38,387 points and held the record for most points in NBA history from 1984 until this season, until LeBron James broke it. Kareem averaged 24.6 points per game, 11.2 rebounds per game, 3.6 assists per game, 2.6 blocks per game, and a 59.9% field goal percentage. Kareem also won three national championships and three-time national player of the year for UCLA. Kareem is a pioneer, the sky hook shot uh, that has really been the face, really the the shot of the NBA since then. Uh, Kareem was the sh- was a strong civil rights advocate and Muslim and religious rights advocate as well throughout his career. I mean, you can argue Kareem Abdul Jabbar Jabbar was a top three player, maybe even a top two player. So there's really enough said on that. I don't think he's better than Michael Jordan, but you can argue he's better than LeBron James. Yeah, you definitely look at Kareem, the way he pioneered the NBA, too, and did it for such a long time, too. And that skyhook, like you were saying, in today's game, with a lot of finesse concepts involved, is even being more utilized and accelerated further. And like you said, the three-time national championship at UCLA, too, that factors in, too. I know that team was loaded, but still, like he was the face of that team for a long time, so he deserves a lot of credit for his influence on the game of basketball. And I definitely have him as a top-three player of all time. You're right, he's not Michael Jordan, but I have him third. Number four seed Babe Ruth stats uh, as a hitter, 342 batting average, 714 home runs, 2,214 RBIs, 474 base percentage, 123 stolen bases. Stats as a pitcher, 1,221 innings pitch, 107 complete games, 17 shutouts, 488 strikeouts, a 1.16 whip, and a 2.228 ERA won an MVP in 1923, won seven World Series, and had a two. It was two All Star appearances in 1933 and 1934. The first two years, the MLB All Star Game existed. Ruth had 11 seasons over 40 home runs and 13 seasons of over 100 RBIs. Ruth led the league in OPS. In 12 out of his 13 seasons from 1918 to 1931, Ruth won both a batting title as a hitter and an ERA title with as a pitcher. Babe Ruth is the greatest baseball player ever to live. And you're talking about some of the great players that you can name. He's the greatest. He is the face of baseball. He'll always be the greatest. I, when you look at the league, and I know there was barely as much teams as they are now, if Babe Ruth played now, just imagine how how many home runs yeah. he would have right now in Yankee Stadium, which was Yankee Stadium was bigger than it is way now. bigger. So I, I mean, he was smacking the ball and knocking it out of the out of the stadium. So I, I mean, ba- now obviously pitchers didn't throw as many pitchers. There were not right. there were no sinkers and uh, cut fastballs, but uh, and they didn't throw over 100 miles per hour. But Babe Ruth. Probably would have transitioned the game if if he played these this time and and everybody says Otani's the the Babe Ruth of these days. Otani's nowhere close to the player Babe Ruth was. So just yeah, he's going to need at least at least seven, eight more years to even be in that conversation. That. To even be in the conversation, then you'll need at least a whole decade and beyond to be able to do it on, that, on the consistent rate Otani's on now. And that's including the fact that Babe Ruth also changed the game influentially because think about what baseball was conceptually before that, too. A lot of stolen bases, a lot of just light hitting. 
it was called the dead ball era for a reason. It was just light hitting, and there were actually all different rules back then. You only got a home, you could get a home run if it bounced over the wall because it was so hard to do at that point. And he just really changed the game and did it in such a bigger ballpark. So I agree with you. It's just so good as a hitter and just an influence on the game. I have to go with him here. I'm going with Babe Ruth, too. I, I, as good as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was, he he's not Babe Ruth. Yeah. And Babe Ruth is, he's... In a, you know, he is the face of the game of, ba of baseball. Kareem is one of them, but he isn't the face. Michael Jordan was. Right. He was of that era, but not now. Yes. So, so I'm going with Babe uh, right. 100%. So Babe and Serena Williams, you go with Babe and Michael Phelps. Phelps. All right. So. The Twitter polls will decide the left side of that bracket, the right side of the bracket. Babe Ruth will move on, and he will take on the winner of uh, GS. Oh, no. He will take on tomorrow's winner of Muhammad Ali and LeBron James. Interesting. <laughs> and Very the other matchup we'll do tomorrow is Tom Brady versus Hank Aaron. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, I'd like to thank all the fans out there, everybody, all the fans out there that really stood and stand and listen to us throughout the weeks and the thousands of fans listening to us on a stream, the truck drivers, the, 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 the referees, everybody that listens to us. Thank you for listening to us. Our Mets Keep fans, referees. Yes. Yes. There you go. Or Yankee fans. Referees. No, there are two of them were Mets fans. <laughs> uh, thank you to all the fans. Uh, thank you to our guests. Thank you to Keontae Scott for joining us. Auburn junior cornerback who could be all world this year. And uh, obviously North Carolina junior running back, uh, Elijah Green, Victor Victor Green's son. So we're really happy and and glad that they joined us. We really appreciate everybody that tuned into to the show tonight. Uh, who do we have on tomorrow? So tomorrow at nine thirty, we will have. Uh, he's a free agent running back right now, but he's playing in a lot of different teams. Kenyon Barner, he played for like seven different teams so far in his career. Not technically retired, but did not play last season because of injury. So he'll be on at nine thirty and ten o'clock. We've had him on before. Uh, Stefan Logan, ex uh, Steelers and Lions wide receiver, and played in the CFL as well. Oh, well, that'll be fun. So uh, looking. Forward forward to tomorrow's show. A lot of uh, content. Stay tuned. Uh, so um, we went a little bit over the time. I want to apologize to the fans, but we got the content out, baby. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow. Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.